0: Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 61 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616, and of course, I've always got my two Italian stallions with me. NES Ruler22, also known as Jeremy, and we always got the Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's up, my Italian stallions? What's going on?
1: Well... I guess we're we're your stallions. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Are you gonna, sort gonna of Italian?
2: Of are You gonna you gonna make us or your bitch or something?
0: Yeah, man. We're your you stallions. Know, I was gonna say my two little Italian stallions, but oh. yeah, you know, definitely. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. You know, start bringing you guys down already because you know Jeremy had a rough week last week. Nah, and, just
2: because I had the sand trapped in my vagina doesn't mean
0: anything.
2: <laughs> hey, man, it anyways. happens.
0: You know, like I said, I was just confused why you were at the beach this late in the year. Yeah, I <laughs> know. it man. was nice
2: last week though. So you know yeah it's out there some sand must have just slipped in when i wasn't looking at fucking bitch
0: oh it happens man that's you know those are the things that happen at the beach but yes episode 61 this is the start of italian horror month i'm so excited
1: i'm so excited too i thought this was a great idea credit to me for that yes. uh but you know I'm just excited because like it's a huge arc like when people look back at our library and they see this like this little arc like that's when we that's that's when we hit it big time we did this big thing and we we you know getting ahead of myself but I think we're going to actually do it you know hopefully we don't miss any episodes because that would really F us
0: you know I thought it was kind of yeah I thought it was kind of funny you know pregame and stuff you're like yeah okay Uh, we're not going to do what we watch this week and no segments and I'm like motherfucker this whole goddamn month is my segment. <laughs> much. It I'm is. I'm like, yeah. Better than watching of nine children
2: in the, in the corn movies in a week, though.
0: Yeah. Oh. That, you
1: know, I'm, I, I still talk about that where I'm like, I cannot believe. Like, now I feel like I can do anything. Like, I've watched nine children of the corn movies in like seven days, <laughs> or like six days. And I was just like, wow. You know, we always, you know, if you look back into the Halloween episode, like, we split that up because we were so nervous about even watching six in a week, right? Right. And we did nine freaking Children of the Corn movies. It's so impressive.
0: You know, I think you have to credit the films themselves, though, because a lot of them are about 80 minutes, which made it so much more enjoyable you know if could you imagine, imagine if they those? were like
2: an hour and 40 minutes
0: oh. yeah man if those were 100 minute films man that week would have been it's it's amazing what just a, a few extra minutes would have done i know Our mentality would I have know. been through the fucking door man like we would have never been able to do that we know? would have rated them
1: all hall of pain worthy just for the fact that they were too long
0: <laughs> well yeah it's exactly it no, man you know I like like they always them say all
1: hall of pain worthy anyway
0: <laughs> yeah well they were definitely there like you always said jp you know like you know nine the first 90 minutes of a film is free and then you know anything after that you got to earn oh and you know at least those ones weren't even getting to 90 minutes so yeah (laughs) somewhere like 77 minutes i know that's good that's good see
1: but i prefer that when i'm watching a bad movie i love when it's like in the
0: like full moon territory range like 60 to like 70 minutes (laughs) it's 80 sometimes but you know it's actually kind of funny because when i was doing my you know the 31 days of horror i I watched a lot of movies that were between 70 and like 83 minutes oddly enough like it was just the way i was picking films i was like okay this movie's really short too i'm like hmm maybe i got something going on here (laughs) you know it was kind of weird but it's nice because it's like a quick watch and i'm like okay sweet you know mm -hmm. i just review the film and move on but yeah, yeah it's a big difference man between like 80 minutes and 90 it's, it's crazy. It's so
1: it? big for and it doesn't seem like that big what's the fuck's 10 minutes right but but when you really just see the film end at 80 minutes it, it, it is such a different feeling it really is i don't understand why that 10 minutes is such a big deal um but i guess you think about like all these different places where these 10 minutes it, it, it's almost like it's not like they chopped off the end of the film it's probably like seconds in each scene you know the the add up so yeah i mean i i love shorter films sometimes i love longer films when they're done right like you know if they're the first 90s free the rest you have to be doing something well mm-hmm. yeah
0: i have to agree man there's nothing wor- worse than watching a film going this
1: one, yeah, time exactly. checking time checking nonstop that's the con- worst.
0: time check in you know like hitting the info button on your remote and you're just like ah <laughs> I hate that feeling, man. And then it just, it really does ruin the movie for you. You know, yeah. even if you're liking the first two thirds, you're like, hey, this is Dragon. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So Argento, Dario, Dario, Dario Argento. Fuck, I can't talk. Um, we are doing the Animal Trilogy for the people out there that do not know. Um, and that, of course, includes The Bird with the Crystal Plumage from 1970. And of course... The Cat of Nine Tails from 1971 and Four Flies on Grey Velvet, also from 1971. It's pretty incredible that he managed to put out those three yeah. films, you know, in like a two year span. Yeah.
1: The same thing happens with uh, Fauci next week as well. 80, yeah. 81 and 81, I believe.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That is true. Um, you know, you know, in today's world, that would be pretty much unheard of to be doing these type of films. It just, I would assume it would be really hard to do. Oh, it, you know? it
1: for sure is. Unless you're like Charlie Band or something, you are not going to be cranking them out that fast because Well, yeah.
0: But it, you know, with Charlie Band films, those those are going to be like, you know, 74-minute films. I mean, these are like, you know, 100 plus minute films.
1: Yeah, they're long.
0: You know, and they're crafted and you know, they're well done and stuff, but you know, Charlie it's almost incomparable, but uh but I mean, I know what you're saying though. You know, yeah. you could do three or four if you're Charlie Band, but <laughs> The, yeah. the system
1: has changed. It, no longer mm. can you just be like, "Okay, we're gonna go shoot on this day." Like then you like now you have to do all this pre prep to go shoot. Like you have to put in paperwork, make sure everything's in line. You know what I mean? Like it everything has slowed down. Every single bit of the process has slowed mm. down. The pre production, the production, the post production, all of that has slowed down. And it, it's interesting because it you look at somebody new, right? Like an Adam Green or something. There's, there's sometimes, you know, years between his films, but he's like, he's, if you listen to his podcast, he's literally making the film for years because it, mm-hmm. it just yeah. takes so long to get things oh, yeah. in motion. Yeah. And once they're in motion to keep them in motion and, you know, while they're in motion, you have to still deal with all these things that just didn't exist back in the seventies.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Internet. <laughs> yeah. Internet for one. <laughs>
0: Well yeah, and you know that's you know Adam Green's a great example but he's busy with with so many things going on too, you know, his TV show, podcast, doing yeah. probably conventions, obviously, you know, producing, writing, whatever he's doing. He, he's got a million things going on. You know, yeah, back and- in 1970 Argento was I get I mean he was a screenwriter too. I mean, he'd yeah. you know originally wrote, you know, like uh, westerns. westerns, westerns and stuff, yeah, before this and stuff. So he was, you know, in the industry but even to, you know, write and direct these three movies and three it's just it really does blow my mind mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. you know so
1: yeah and and like you said adam green is busy so i that is a, a good point but that even goes to show like he is one of the busier filmmakers and he still is not pumping them out like Ar- argento did in that you know little gap right there
0: yeah it's like a it's just a difference in generations i guess or something i don't know yeah really really strange but yeah Alrighty, so we got some news this week
1: We have some news, if you want to call it that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually, again, like I just was not keeping up on the news, so I don't have the slightest clue.
1: (laughs) There's not much. There is not much. First up, we have a acquisition. IFC, which I guess that would also mean Scream Factory, at least as far as we know, uh, has picked up another film out of, uh, I believe, some sort of festival. I don't remember exactly which one, but this one is an Australian horror film called The Pack. And it is supposed to hit release in the spring of 2016. Uh, a farmer must fight a ferocious pack of feral wild dogs. You know, that's oh, what they wild dogs. I, I like stuff like that. First of all, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of 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 killer animal films. So, Australian uh, Australia seems to be able like to do killer animal films still pretty decently.
0: I is this like a few? Is this like an Australian remake of the Pack from the 70s? Isn't that one about a pack of killer dogs, too? I don't know. I... It is. But that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a few movies called The Pack, actually. That's Yeah, <laughs> a Another few, a few. Yeah, another time. So this is going to be another one of those ones where you go to search it next year and 19 movies are going to pop up. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that that's interesting because Australia, um, you know, making a movie called The Pack, because I'm pretty sure – I've actually never seen this movie, but I'm pretty sure it's about killer dogs from the 70s. So – Killer dogs or killer enough.
1: wolves has to be if you're calling it yeah. a pack.
0: When you, first, when you first said the pack, I was expecting you to say a pack of killer boars or something like that.
1: That would be cool.
0: Kangaroos. Yeah. Kangaroos. Now, wouldn't that be funny? A pack of killer kangaroos. How has kangaroos. that
1: not been done yet?
0: <laughs> no doubt, right? What are uh, these Australians waiting zombie for? Zombie kangaroos? Come on. Zombie sheep. giraffes. <laughs> zombie giraffes. Come on. Oh, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> just giraffes. something. That I can't even... Like I don't even I don't even know if there's a horror film with a giraffe in it.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Until now. <laughs> Probably not, man. I mean, <laughs> giraffes they're not, blow my mind. They're I seen not one when I was animal.
1: I seen one when I was a kid at the zoo, and it literally like destroyed my mind. I was like, "How did this thing come to be? What like think. it is a nightmarish idea? <laughs> 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 it's like something that is doesn't seem like it should
0: be real." <laughs> yeah, they are a little bizarre, aren't they?
1: so uh yeah i'm sure we'll see scream factory pick that up i'm i'm curious to know like how long this deal is going because at first i was really down for it and i still like the fact that more of the ifc films are receiving blu-rays unlike back when it was just ifc like 90 percent of them would be dvd only but it is just if you're a collector of scream factory it really ruins your life
0: yeah, it does. And I I don't remember who made the point. $1.50 pictures. Yeah, I think it was actually Zach that said it. But I kind of agreed with him, too. You know, when IFC was putting out, you know, the releases and stuff, um, and I think IFC had a few Blu-rays and stuff, but they weren't that expensive. But now that Screen Factory is distributing, you know, or has this deal with IFC, um, you know, the prices are crazy. You know, yeah. like if if IFC was just putting out that title, say like The Stranger or something like that, um, you could probably get that Blu-ray for ten bucks. And you know, but now that Screen Factory is involved, it costs you twenty bucks, or it's just more. That was right? the point, right? Well, well, typically
1: so, when I would grab an IFC Blu-ray at Walmart or something, it would be at about fourteen or fifteen, but still, that's even less than what they are now, which is twenty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so as a collector, you're kind of looking at it going, well, you know, if they were just IFCs, they'd be cheaper. And yeah. I mean, I, under- I understand where people are coming from completely. Yeah,
1: so, you probably gosh. get more range with Scream Factory, but then you're going to have to pay two people. So you have to hike up the price. It's kind of it's kind of one of those things that if it did go away, I wouldn't be disappointed
0: well i mean you know i i i've been down for the idea of screen factory and i've seen their their deal that they've had because they have released some pretty quality films but on you know when you look at the whole uh, the whole situation um as a collector it does suck because a lot of the films are very hit and miss and some of them are so miss that you just feel cheated Alien you know movies. you're like yeah you're like yeah exactly you know um yeah, the, <laughs> oh my god, Alien Outpost, so bad. But that's a great example of a film that was just completely trash. And you know, like,
2: IFCs are like that, though. Yeah. You're going to get some trash. They have all like, been like that. Like Spider Hole, and then you're going to get good movies like mm-hmm. Dark, not Dark Summer, fucking Black Haven.
0: But, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know, if Screen Factory is going to sign a deal with IFC who's picking up all these independent films and stuff, why wouldn't they just try to, you know, kind of work it out where... You know, let's you know really screen these films, look at them, and let's put out the best of the best.
1: Because they mm-hmm. still sell, even the bad ones still sell well, it, mm-hmm. being in WalMarts and stuff. And
2: I don't know, if, rent them out like, at Family Video all the time. I see. But yeah. at the
0: end of the day, though, like if you're running Screen Factory, and like, are you really proud that even though Alien Outpost sold, you know, two thousand copies, like, really? do you really want that on your you know Screen Factory you know filmography or whatever? Probably. You know, they you know it's probably like probably
1: do. <laughs> Ugh,
0: I don't know, man. Like for me, I just, it just seems like sometimes I feel with Screen Factory right now, you know, it's quantity over quality. And mm-hmm. I know I've heard that from a few, I think a few other people are on the same page with me too. I mean, I mean, it's just some of the releases in general, but like some of the I've ones I could just completely do without. I, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes like, I'm just. It, I get a little worried about like what they're going to do in the future if they're just going to, you know, start, you know, bombarding us with more and more I've then and it's just like, OK.
1: Yeah, I, like, I'm with you, though. I really wish that they would go more quality because if you would go and cut out the alien outposts of the world and you just left, you know, the stranger and like that dark summer one that you like, then you're looking at something different, right? You're looking at something like like it's hundred percent positive and even if you took like the mediocre ones the ones that are just maybe like sixes out of tens or fives out of tens that's still better than like the bad ones being in there Yeah, and yeah. you would kind of look at it at a different light you would not you wouldn't even begin to have a negative feel for the ifc's had there not been bad ones
0: so have we have we seen like you know the end of like the sci-fi and chiller films I'm feeling. I'm feeling like
1: yeah, man. I mean, honestly, like they're picking up mostly IFCs, but they do their blood-sucking bastards and that Takashi Miike film. They're still doing um, those, but I don't think. Well, yeah, they're still putting out
0: contemporary titles, like you know, just but not made for you know chiller sci-fi films, because that that kind of was their thing to start out with until they got their deal with IFC. But yeah, they are putting a lot more just straight up contemporary films out, like The Battery and stuff like that, which was really good. Um, or- but I was I was I was curious because I was putting my <clears throat> my screen factors away in my collection um the other day, and I was and I have them organized like that, like I have the IFCS together and like the sci fi and chillers and and I was just kind of going through and just looking at them I was like yeah hit and miss hit and miss you know kind of thing and yeah, I'm like and then he got the dark hall really and put- he
1: was like hit
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> dark Hall's dark hall a shitty film but. I did. No, it's a I, terrible,
2: I was, terrible. No, film. no, no, no. It
0: totally, it, it totally is. But I was. It's not I, a shitty odd, film. It's I was terrible. oddly, I was oddly entertained too. So I. It's more hideous than JP's Mexican asshole. So. <laughs> but my point is, is that you know, I, I was kind of looking. I noticed that, like, wow, like the IFCs and you know the contemporary titles. Have really kind of you know taken right over those sci-fi and chillers that they originally did. So I was wondering if, you know, if that is the end of it, kind of thing. Well, so
1: I guess the question would be, or are, are there more in general? Like, have you been keeping up with what Chiller's been doing? Because I haven't. Have they made no, more movies? No, no. I don't think so. No, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, like, heard anything?
0: Yeah. So what about the what about the the chilling senses or. Whatever I can't remember what it's called, five but you know, the part State two fear. Yeah. The five, I don't you know what happened part- to that. I don't even think
1: that has a, a release on disc right now.
0: Cause that was, yeah. Cause I mean, it was put out by, wasn't it? Uh, it was a chiller was, original you know, movie. I believe it was chiller. So, and that, and that kind of got me thinking. I was like, yeah, cause I was looking at the first one and I was like, well, what happened to part two? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to try and put that out because I mean, you know, if it's there, it would be nice for the people, you know, that are collectors and stuff to have that, you know, but yeah. So yeah, I was kind of going, nice. maybe they don't have a deal anymore. Maybe they're just not they're not fucking with Chiller or uh, sci-fi anymore, which is, you know, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world because, I mean, let's be honest here. Most of the films that Chiller and sci-fi put out were, you know, they weren't like the most god awful things in the world, but they were not overly memorable Yeah. either. So besides Beneath, I, I really like Beneath. I know that that's a great that's a perfect title um, that separated everybody.
3: You know, it's one of
0: those where you were either right here or like you were way at the bottom. People kind of still thing. give me shit about the fish. <laughs> I know. Because I think the fish looks real as fuck. And everybody Actually, else is like, I, I'm you're pretty, crazy. I'm pretty... Zach said something the other day about it too. Yeah, I remember was... somebody saying something. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's like, Beneath is a good film, but the fish fucking looks shitty. <laughs> uh, I'm like... And I'm like, you know, I, I just had this, I had this thought in my mind right when I read that. And I was like, ah, oh, it's funny. I'm like, this is pretty much what people said about Jaws back yeah. in the 70s I'm like man the movie was great but the fucking shark looks shitty man yeah, <laughs> yeah so but yeah. kind of made me laugh but yeah I don't know who knows the screen factory I just wish they would honestly kind of cool it down a little bit with the IFCs and just kind of focus on I've said this a million times just let's just put out more things like Blood and Lace you know just these obscure titles people are buying these things they have to be
1: Nah, again they're let's not see some fu- they, um, they say they 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 have this came out and said like titles like scarecrows who everybody kept saying they wanted sell poorly when then you put a alien outpost in walmart and it does great i think that's the main problem they're they're that using the that problem. argument and it's like well yeah scarecrows wasn't the, in walmart <laughs> yeah put it that's in a, walmart that's dude. exactly I'll what it is. It.
0: and like okay so what's the deal with that why can't scream factory get like their Their regular releases. I mean, they obviously had Mad Max, which was strange, and everyone was...
1: But it wasn't really strange if you think about it, though, because because it
0: is, like, a
1: huge title, and it is... Mm -hmm. Like, Day of the Dead was in Walmart before, I I think.
0: Only DVDs? Only DVDs, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But but my point is, is that if you can have, you know, the the Blu-ray of Mad Max in Walmart, why can't you have Bordello of Bud and Demon Knight? Because I
1: honestly think, and I, I don't know any insider information, but... I from from just like the language that I've heard people say things that they talk about when I listen to these interviews and read these interviews to me it seems as if Walmart is the person that decides what goes and what stays
0: like well I actually have heard that before because I know they do screen a lot of films you know like certain films that maybe have a bad reputation like they're probably not going to have Human Centipede in Walmart for sale but, you know, all that type of information that I was, you know, that I was absorbing kind of got thrown out the window last week when I was in Walmart. And I literally laughed to myself. I walked by and I seen I spit on your grave three, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, right there for everyone to fucking see. And I I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, OK, no, if Walmart really is screening these titles based on, you know, OK, this title probably isn't appropriate for our type of, uh, you know, our work business. um why do they have my spit on my well, on your grave three sitting right there? Then? I don't and think why, that's and why the case
1: not, anymore? Yeah. The, if you remember back to when Dimension Extreme was around, and they okay, well, put let's, inside let's put it in Walmart,
0: the, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: that was a huge thing. It got banned, yeah. and there was a huge thing that has cooled down since. Like they, yeah. they, they, they don't really have problems with that anymore. But I, I just think it's they look at titles like they don't want retro titles unless they're they're huge, like Mad Max, where there's a new movie coming out. And, you know, they the, then they know that that will sell, uh, mm-hmm. as it does every edition that they put out. Mm-hmm. But then they only really want the new films because they saw, can put I, it in the new releases section. They don't really stick the retro ones in the new release section that often.
2: I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw Mad Max and Family Video, too, on Blu-ray. I was like, oh, this is weird. They have a contemporary, I mean, an old Screen Factory here. It's like, I wonder what's up with this. Why do they have Mad Max? So, like, when I found Toxic Avengers, I was like, why do they have Toxic Avengers?
0: Yeah. But, you know, for me, it's just like, you know, if I was running a Screen Factory, I would try to work out that deal. I mean, if I'm going to have some things, even if they don't go in the new releases, like, you know, Walmart still has sections for, you know, the catalog titles, right? Right. So put those in there, um, just maybe create different sections. I don't know. But... I would really try to push that because if you're having some, you know, obviously your newer titles and stuff, and, and I mean, that's partly the reason why we keep getting more IFCs and stuff because they are in Walmart, they're selling, and that's why they keep putting out more. But, you know, and this is if they're, if they're literally announcing that, you know, titles like Scarecrows and stuff aren't selling as much, why wouldn't you try to push this and be like, kid, hey, we need to get these in there?
1: because you know, no one even, would
0: buy them yeah i just people, think that it's I, I think that they
1: are like i can't imagine a I, situation where they're not trying or they haven't been trying because
0: I, I completely disagree jeremy i think if you if i saw scarecrows in in walmart we're fans yeah though. but that's us like yeah, i know but, you, there, but there is you still spend lots time of time
1: in walmart and watch where people go they don't they're not picking up the halloween 6 blu-ray that was released they're picking up like the weird movies that are fucking just new released, like the, one, the ones with shitty covers. I <laughs> know, yeah, but it just, has to get out there.
0: it just has to get out there to fans. I mean, there is, there is a lot of us collectors and fans out there that, I mean, if we all knew that they were selling Screen Factory Blu-rays, you know, um, if I could go pick up Ghost Town in Walmart, the word gets out, people are going to go. And they're gonna go and grab them from there. Yeah, they will. But I, I honestly do but that's believe all that they have, that's all you have to market like to. You. Think you don't have to market it. You don't have to market this to Jeremy's mom. She's not gonna go out there and be like, "Hey, here's Ghost Town. I'm gonna to buy that." Maybe my mom's pretty you know? fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm just using that as a quick example. But yeah, your mom is cool. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you know, if you get the word out, it's just like diabolic DVD. You know, like you know. You know, my dad's not going to just go and shop at Diabol. Oh, what do we got here? Possession, special edition. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's marketed to us, it's just for us. So if you try to get the word out there, you know, I mean, obviously Walmart's for, you know, the mass quantity it's of society. General public, it is huge. But, it, but if you get that word out to like the average collector that you can buy these titles there, fuck, man. I bet you they I go know, in. I don't, I, so. I, I, don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that- I honestly truly believe that they will go into Walmart to so pay. why don't, I think we'll if go into Best us, Buy
2: to buy them when I, they've been at Best Buy recently.
0: Hold up. Well I, because well, because Best Buy is, is hit and miss with the releases. Like they don't they, sometimes they have shit, sometimes they yeah, don't.
2: Yeah, but what happens when they do have it? People don't go. Like, oh I have to go to Best Buy to get this scream factory. I
0: I, I completely disagree. I hear people all the fucking time. But Same. why would
2: I get, go to Best Buy when I just go
1: get it on Amazon for cheaper? And no, well, people, I mean, people that, do that go for those titles, brand. right? But but I don't think that it makes big enough of, of a dent too. to to warrant stocking Scream Factory's lineup every every week, uh, whether it's retro or I, I honestly you know, don't like, think it'll make enough of a, a difference. They probably have tried things like this in the past. Walmart's been a long, around a long time. They they probably have put like the retro titles up, and they probably haven't sold.
0: Well, maybe it's a maybe it's the fact that people didn't know that they were there. Maybe, you know, I mean, maybe no one knew. I mean, because, you know, realistically, I mean, Walmart's a place that I never really think about, you know, too drastically about grabbing films that much. Like just for me, I just don't because where I live, I don't really have a lot of places. So I do a lot of online shopping. That's just my mentality. You know, I kind of forget about places like that sometimes. So, I mean, maybe that's the mentality with a lot of other people too. They're like Walmart; they won't have this, so they just assume. But I'm saying, if you get the word out there, hey, man, they are collecting these, but I mean, stocking them. So, so yeah. Them. But who knows? Who knows? I, 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 I just mean, think the collectors I
1: guess, I, are too small to to really have some kind of big impact to to make sales go up high enough to keep them it's all about I, I personally would buy all of my Scream factories at Walmart because they would be the price that you can get them on Amazon if there was a Blu-ray of every Scream factory released at Walmart I would get them all there I
0: don't and, know, man I, I I just find it interesting that you know, like you know I understand a lot of people that you know when they see the new horror films out they buy those and stuff maybe they're not like bonafide collectors and stuff but even here I mean, those titles seem to go, you know, and even the screen factories and stuff that are at HMV and stuff, they, they seem to sell all the time around in the city I, am, don't. That I, that I live in. And it, it's strange. I mean, not all of them, not all of them, but a lot of those titles. Like, I remember I was talking to a buddy that worked there and we were talking about Deathbed. And I got on the, on the conversation about this because when the title had came in, it surprised him. He's like, "Oh, fucking deathbed! We got deathbed! That's crazy." Anyways, he put it off to the side specifically for Dylan, actually. <laughs> so I know Dylan knows the story, but uh, um, and then we started we started talking about it, and you know Dylan bought his copy, and then I bought a copy, and then they kept restocking it, and it kept selling like over and over again. I'm like, "Hey, who the fuck are these people buying this shit?" And it just kind of started getting me thinking. I was like, "Hey, I have noticed." That a lot of these type of titles that they are carrying, if if it's like a Synapse title or you know Blue Underground, Blue, they're selling. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, who the fuck is buying Canadian? Yeah,
1: I don't know, man. Like even my Fya, for example, Screen Factory sit there
0: forever. Well, it's probably due to the fact that the city that I live in, there's very limited places to buy things. Right? Like we only have one H V, right? There's there's a fucking Best Buy, there's a Walmart and stuff. But I mean, let's be honest, man. Our Walmart and Best Buys are they're pretty trashy. They're pretty shitty. So um maybe that's why. That that could be partly the reason why, because it's you know, people are getting out and they're seeing it physical copy there, so they're buying it. I mean, obviously if I had like a thousand places in town to buy shit, you know, probably wouldn't sell as well. But, you know, who knows? I think Ooh, the biggest knows, thing right? of this
1: whole conversation is the fact that these companies do not share information with us. Like the Scream Factories, the Synapses, all of the companies, the Arrows, everybody, they do not fucking share the information. They're not – they don't say like, hey, we've been trying to get in Walmart forever with our retro titles. They ju- they yeah. never share. And and then we just have
0: speculation,
1: which drives me mm-hmm. crazy.
0: But then again, it makes for an entertaining conversation though too because, I mean, if we knew all the facts right now, <laughs> would we be having this conversation? No, because we would know the facts.
1: <laughs> I guess so.
0: So uh, right? let's You'd have – like, Hey guys, well, what's the point of this conversation? We know that Walmart doesn't stock them because they don't want those titles in there. Oh shit! Okay, move on.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. but you know what I'm saying? It's it's totally like that. And I don't know, man. I, you know, it could be it could be that case. You know, Walmart. You know, like Jeremy just said a while ago, uh, it is about shelf space, and maybe Walmart just kind of looks at it and goes, well, you know, those we just don't want those titles in there because we think that they're not going to sell, so we're going to stock ghostly. Yeah, we're going to stock fucking 4,000 ghostlies over here and keep Ouija. You know, we're going to have Ouija over here and fucking, you know, how Walmart, man, they yeah. just seem to take up so much space with so much useless shit. But maybe that's what they do. Maybe that's their mentality. Yeah. I mean, maybe Screen Factory is pushing for it and Walmart's going, fuck you guys, man. Your guys', your guys shit isn't I, good. Enough, I,
1: I so. can't see them not pushing for it because they know this. They know they're smarter. They have to be smarter than us. They have to be. <laughs> like but, I, w- I would not yeah i w- they, they, they need to be smarter than us to be a successful company, so I can't see them being like, you know where we sell a lot of copies, Walmart, like maybe we should not put any of our stuff in there, though you know because didn't you have
0: a stat <laughs> didn't you have a stat like on a show way way back in the day about um you broke it down to uh you know the market. You know how much was bought online for media, and how so. much was sold in Walmart. And apparently, Walmart sells like it was yeah, some I, did. I did. I high number. It was like seventy yeah. percent of the market of of, of video media. Releases video releases is sold in walmart and And it doesn't surprise me it doesn't it doesn't surprise me either because there is so many walmart's that's the thing like they're just mass produced like the walmart's themselves so that makes a lot of sense but the number was really really high considering people are lazy these days they like to sit at home and shop online like and that really surprised me that how much you're forgetting about
1: the old people in the world yeah. There's still a high percentage of people. Well, who are that's a old given. That
0: exist. Who's remembering <laughs> old people?
2: <laughs> you think old people are going into Walmart and they're like, "Ooh, I spit on your grave 3.
0: You know, those well, those old people don't like me, so I don't like them either. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though? It's like I th- that was pretty interesting. I remember we even had a bunch of comments about that too, and yeah, I was blown away by those numbers. It's just like, holy shit, really? Yeah, I, I just would thought that it would have been a little more close with the yeah. internet because of. The convenience of internet i mean for fuck's sakes man i have bought shit before as i'm boarding a plane i I don't i I really don't though man because in my area
1: like i'm i talk to people all the time very few people actually shop online like that i know personally at work like i'm talking if i if the closest the next hundred people that i bump into i bet you only 20 percent of them actually regularly shop online
0: See now, this is all relative to where you live, though, too. True. You know, for somebody like Jeremy, I mean, if I lived where Jeremy did, I would probably do five percent online because I would be out all the time. Think
2: about how many places we went to when you were here in a week, and that like doesn't even like yeah. We even like go shopping downtown. Like downtown, there's like. A trillion other places I could have t- taken, and
0: that—that's the fun of it because I prefer to go out and hunt to get my hands yeah, dirty, like Jared does. I think that's so much more fun. It's, yeah. it's just way better. It's way more fun. So if you I get that rush when
2: you find something really rare, and they're like,
0: "Oh yeah," I would pretty much only shop online for the things that you know, for something that I know I'm not going to find or something I need right now, you know. But I'd be hunting all the time. See where I live? You can't do that, man. See, if you asked a hundred people around here, I bet you ninety-six of them <laughs> buy shit online. That's man. crazy, <laughs> because there's nowhere to shop. That's just the problem. So mm-hmm. I think it's all relative to the area you live in too. So you have to kind of look yeah. at that. It's a little different down in the U.S. You guys. But have then just you have a to look at what to buy things too, too, right? What so, percentage
1: of areas are more along the lines of me and Jeremy, and what percentage of the areas of the of the country countries are mm-hmm. along the lines of you? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, I guess we should move on, but that's an interesting conversation. And I would be curious to see numbers specifically. How, how much does an IFC title sell more than uh, Scarecrows? Is mm-hmm. it two times? Is it six times? I, I think those numbers would be very interesting to see simply because it could actually be something really significant like eight or nine times as many copies being in a Walmart. Be-
0: yeah. I think it'd be an interesting like, you know, like not serious, but like, you know, a dateline episode where, you know, yeah. a journalist goes around and, and gets out gets the info from all these companies that we not that, that we're not hearing. You know, it'd be nice to go talk to Screen Factory. Hey, what's your guys' story? What's your story, Walmart and stuff? I mean, this week I found out that diabolic DVD is ran out of a guy's basement in a house. I literally thought it was a fucking huge warehouse.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Wasn't that special feature awesome?
0: Yeah, dude. It was so interesting to me. And like I would love to know that guy's numbers. Like how good he he obviously does pretty well. Yeah. You know? And I think you might be
1: surprised it. at how unwell he how how much he doesn't make though.
0: Well the thing is, the way I look at it, man, the average person, in my opinion, like if you go to Diabolic, you're probably gonna spend between fifteen and hundred bucks every time. Right? It doesn't really take much to spend 50 bucks it's like two things right so i mean it, i mean if you're doing 10 sales a day you know it's a thousand i don't know what he pays What's to bring the
1: profit in. margin though that's what you have to know but what he must buy on
0: wholesale though he probably well he, the thing is with diabolic I, i'm assuming that he pays a little more because he does bring in products from all over the world right like he that's what the, that's what he specializes in he brings in things yeah. that you can't get here and that's the cool thing about diabolic and that's why a lot of people shop there because You know it's just your one-stop convenience you want to go to amazon.uk to buy this 88 film release you want to go to amazon.germany or whatever it is um de or whatever you know to buy this release well go to diabolic they have them all that's the beauty of diabolic and i think maybe he probably does pay a little bit more yeah but you pay a little
2: bit more too it's like do you want to get it fast or do you want to wait and pay less Pay yeah. less. <laughs> me. Yeah. No, but, not I mean me. But I'd rather pay more and get it faster, but I'm just an idiot. You impatient would bitch. never rather pay more. Listen, who do you th-
1: who are you
0: trying to fool? See, yeah, because I
2: love- could get everything I want just going and buying it in person. Like I know a store right now, this independently owned store up in Wisconsin. My friend Nick, me and him go there sometimes when we go out to Wisconsin hunting. They have every fucking new screen factory and everything that you would imagine. Like they literally have like everything. And I walked in and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Too bad I'm a Jew and don't want to spend the money, but like somebody like Moots or JP, they would fucking love this shit. Like I went in there the day Ghost Town came out and there was like four copies sitting on the shelf. I thought it was fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, I would see, and, well, one last thing in places like Diabolic. You know, even knowing like even more how like how independent really is, you know, it just makes me want to support that because that's kind of like your one stop shop, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, I say people support it. I haven't done any orders in a long time because it's just not even reasonable for me to import right now because our dollar sucks cock. So unfortunately, I've been shopping there, but you guys should. Don't uh, neglect it.
1: OK. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm right. not just talking to you two. I'm talking to everybody.
1: Yeah, else. I, I, I get it. Support. Yeah, I, I'm always a fan of supporting everything that's uh, needs supported. So definitely support it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after that lengthy Are we one, we still on the news. Yeah, that was, was just the, the first, first one? piece. That's it. <laughs>
2: that was like 45 minutes of.
1: Alright so moving on we got Mick Garris Last week we said that he was working On an anthology I asked you guys what do you guys Think is he bringing in old directors Or new directors well we Now have the answer of who those directors Are for his anthology that Will be shooting in early 2016 It is a collection of five stories The first one Mick Garris obviously he's Involved Uh, then probably the Only other huge name that I know Which is Joe Dante the howling Gremlins obviously Wow. Then you have Japan's Ry- Ryuhi. I'm not going to say his name anymore. Midnight Meat
0: Train <laughs> and Versus. Uh, oh, did, Versus is fucking awesome. Yeah,
1: so he did Midnight Meat Train and Versus. And then David Slade, who did Hannibal and 30 Days of Night. And then Cuban oh, yeah. director, Alejandro, who did One of the Dead.
0: Cuban. oh one of the Dead is so funny. <laughs>
1: I own that and still haven't seen it. But the scripts will be from uh, Mexican authors, I believe. And uh, also... So put all these Mexican anthology films coming
0: out. Yeah, that's cool, man. That that actually sounds pretty promising. That's a pretty good lineup. I have to say I'm a little surprised surprised that Joe Dante's in there. That just surprised me. Well, Joe Dante and Mick Garris are tight. No, I know that. But I was just surprised that Dante was willing to... I don't know. I I guess he just did that... What, the... uh, Oh no, that wasn't him. Was uh, no, it? he no. just <laughs> burying the X. That's oh, that's right. Thing. He did direct it. I was I was having a brain fart there, but yeah, I guess he just did that. Yeah, so
1: yeah, he's still working pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm always a fan
0: of anthologies, as
1: we'll probably talk about later. But you know, it, it, Nightmare Cinema got Joe Dante, Mick Garris. I'll check it out. I'm I'm interested for sure. Cool. All right. After that, the Orchard or Or yeah Orchard uh they have recently been grabbing some titles they released what we do in the shadows they're grabbing the upcoming uh, s- anthology southbound and now they have grabbed a film called demon which that's original yeah it, it i guess it did it um <laughs> it, it was a selection at the 40th Toronto International Film Festival and uh yeah i, I don't know i th- i think i've heard good things about this one Uh, Peter is a stranger in the hometown of his future wife, Janet. As a wedding gift from his bride's grandfather, he receives a piece of land where the two can build a house and raise a happy family. While preparing the land for construction, Peter finds bones of human (laughs) bodies in the ground beneath his new property. Then very strange
0: things begin to happen. No, I got a little giddy there because I was literally... Okay, I'm not gonna lie. I was taking a poop this morning, and I was reading in the new Rue Morgue. I was reading in the new mor- Rue Morgue. I was looking for a, you know, a morbid fact. And I actually read this entrail. This is relatable to what he just said. Okay, on September 18th, days after the horror after his horror film Demon, Mm-hmm. had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. 42-year-old Polish director Marcin Warna was discovered dead in his hotel room in Glenda, Poland, where he was premiering the movie at the Glenda Film Festival. Demon is about a grin, blah, blah, blah. So the director died. Yeah. Yeah, was I was hot. actually going to say that next. But I just <laughs> fucking read that. Okay, sorry, JP is still your thunder, but like I just read that like 10 minutes ago. So...
1: Ten minutes ago I think we were out doing the show 10 minutes ago. Yeah, you know,
0: uh, I'm really 10 minutes really not
1: before the show he's saying. 10 minutes before the show. Uh, Poland and Israel is where the film is coming from, like you it's said real. he is a Polish director. Uh yeah, so that's pretty much From my own people if anything. Yeah, if anything the film will probably gain some steam based on that little morbid fact that moods just presented us with.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's kind of shitty though.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, really if it turns like,
0: out to be, if it turns out to be a really good film, that's such, that's terrible, but right. yeah, that's very odd that you were, that you brought that up, and I just read that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is
1: really uh, So yeah, that is supposed to be released in two thousand sixteen. Uh, next So, level, and, I,
0: okay. and what was the company again that that picked that up? Orchard orchard okay yeah and so they're releasing a movie called demon so i'm assuming they're releasing the pack too (laughs) (laughs)
1: you
0: know let's just grab all the generic titles oh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah they they definitely i I mean that's i see i like titles like that had but there's just so many of them that it does kind of get it's just hard to search man yeah so uh next up we have sci-fi films uh new banner which is i guess a venture partnership with exhilarator media who does the macabre label yeah. uh, they are producing a new sci-fi psychological thriller called 400 days a small crew of astronauts are put into a simulated mission to see what psychological effects they will undergo when they face deep space travel
2: this is a real thing
1: uh, the duration of the test is 400 days. Sci-fi is aiming for a theatrical release in January 2016. Huh. Sounds kind of cool. So I- I'm taking it that it's the Sci-Fi TV network because it's spelled S Y F Y, which is not how you spell Sci-Fi. Yeah. So Sci-Fi films is like going big budget now. What? Yeah.
0: <laughs> they must have really to...
1: banked on those Sharknado films.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. That's crazy, man. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, it does It well, does sound fucking creepy awesome, though.
0: Whatever. It, I, man, if it's really good, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. You know, just putting really good next to a sci-fi film is just... Well, they used just to release seem... good.
1: I wouldn't say really good, but they used well, to I'm release good films.
0: Recent, recent stuff. Yeah,
1: definitely not recently. Uh, so... After that, we have some Arrow video, video announcements. They had announced a couple UK only titles, which I believe was Audition, the Mike film. Yeah. Uh, what is the other one? I'm not really sure. I think they were re-releasing the Hellraiser box set as well, in in a limited, like a not limited, but less awesome version
0: than it previously was. Correct? Am I right? Yeah. Okay. So what was the deal with that? Is it just uh, missing the booklet? Because I didn't really look into it too much. It's
1: not. It's just <clears throat> not as awesome looking. Like it's just a box and the uh, three films on their in their own cases. It didn't have like the poster, or everything that was in that. It's not the Scarlet Gospel, whatever the hell they called it. Scarlet box. Uh, yeah. It's not. It doesn't look like that. Different cover art, uh, stuff like that. But it, it does look to have all of the features that was. There's like a, a ton of features on here on all three of the releases. So I, I imagine that it's still going to have all the awesome features that were on the other one. I, I I haven't cross-referenced to see if there are any that are not on there. But, I mean, it yeah. looks pretty stacked. Uh, that's yeah, gonna the,
0: be... yeah, the other title was uh, $5 for an August Moon, if you're wondering. Okay. <clears throat> Um, yeah, the Mario Baba film. Because remember, I made a post about it yesterday because I just picked up the Kino Blue and I was like, of course it got get announced by Arrow. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Go figure every time.
1: So those were, the, you know, that Hellraiser box. Some people are mad about it and some people are cool with it. I, I don't really care because I do believe they did say that, I, I believe they have said multiple times that their limited stuff they will re release in non-limited formats.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said that about everything. So, I don't know what people are tripping about.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it does kind of suck for those people who spent all that money on there. If if they, I think it would be different if they said, like, this is the only way you're going to get it, and then they released well, not again. Well,
0: I don't think it really sucks, because the edition is really nice, and I think most people that have it are pretty happy with it. Yeah, I see, so. for me,
1: I would be disappointed if I had bought it and not known, because... Honestly, what does that edition have that this one doesn't? It just looks different. That's not important to me. What is important is those features and the the films themselves. Like, yeah, I, I feel like paying that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It it, 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 I, it. I'm not really. I wouldn't be bent out of shape about it unless I didn't know that they were gonna re-release it, right away.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: So yeah, the, that's you know that's coming out. It, it is Region B, of course. Uh, then they release announced a couple U.S. titles and one of them is it doesn't look like a horror film but it's uh they sh- the uh it's pray for death which is looks like a ninja film anybody know anything about that ninja no I actually don't yeah it's uh it's a it looks pretty cool i mean if you like those ninja films which i know i know modes does i'm not the biggest fan of them but
0: they oh, are <laughs>
1: uh they are they they have their they're they're alright. Uh so yeah, it looks like a vigilante ninja film. And then they announced a Pam Greer title, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh Sheba Baby, this is a US UK title as well. Oh
0: nice. Uh so yeah, another
1: another uh Pam Greer title coming out. And then they announced a box set, which is American Horror Project Volume One. Mm-hmm. You
0: guys hear of this one? Yeah, I did see the post today. This yeah, is an sorry. interesting, interesting looking box set. It's kind of cool. It's got the Witch who came from the sea. That was a video nasty.
1: Uh, cool. The premonition and uh, Carnival of Blood or
0: Malestia's Mal- Carnival. Yeah, I have to say I don't know the other two titles. Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't really understand what they're trying to do here. What is, the American Horror Project? I don't really know what that
0: means. No, I don't – I was kind of confused by it too. Okay, it says, everyone knows the classic American horror titles, Night of the Living Dead, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, to name a few. But what we tell you – but we want to tell you a different story, a story of unsung heroes of American terror. Okay. (laughs) What the fuck does that mean? I I think they're just
1: (laughs) trying to make a (laughs) – it's literally just them trying to – design a story around this box set
0: (laughs) yeah this is strange whether it's a film that has a languaged in obscurity or a movie that that's a risk of being lost due to lack of source material american horror project is here to ensure that these unique slices of the american nightmare are brought back into the public consciousness and preserved for all for all of us to enjoy okay i okay yeah, so I, I, it's literally it's just like obscure titles then that they're just yeah. thrown into a box set
1: <gasps> they <Bitter> are American.
0: <laughs> Weird.
1: So yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it's a nice little set. I'm not going to say that it's not. Mm-hmm. That's the because thing. Because
0: it's Arrow, though, so you're still, you still know, I love box get sets. Like I'm, I'm such a sucker for box sets, so I'll probably pick this up because I just love box sets. But I do like when there's like a theme to them. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a it, fake theme. <laughs> it's almost, it's almost like they're just, yeah, reaching for the stars on this one.
1: It's fake. You're phony.
2: <laughs> Nothing but a phony. The witch yeah. came from
0: the sea. It's a. It's a really interesting film, though. I'm yeah, curious I'm, I'm to sure see the other that ones. Be are like,
1: interesting, but
0: I, mm. I mean, honestly, like I just I,
1: the way they said like Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw, like these are the great <laughs> horror films of past. These ones that we're releasing are not those films, and they're not they're that like good. But they're they're rare. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> And you get all excited, it's like, yeah, Chainsaw, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's like, yeah, not those, not those guys, but they're kind sweet of, of like arrow. those. Well, they're be not pretty really sweet like of arrow to those. Did those
2: yeah. <laughs> Imagine a box set of all those from Arrow. Yeah.
1: Oh, that would be so nice. All right, so oh. moving on here, we got a couple Scream Factory announcements. First up, we have Species to the uh, MGM title uh, coming to Blu-ray. And what was funny, I thought this was hilarious, but they, you know how normally when they make an announcement, they'll put all the posters from from the films that they're announcing. They didn't even bother to put the, the posters for Species 3 and 4. They just put Species 2 up there on their announcement, but they're also releasing a double feature of Species 3 and 4.
0: Yeah, of course I already ranted about this. I just don't see the point. Like yeah. of releasing species two and then three and four in a double set. I mean I mean I guess I see the point, but I mean Mr. MGM titles. You know, I mean there is a box set that you can buy with all the titles in there. So what happened with Screen Factory? Why didn't they get the you know, go after the rights for the first one? They probably did. But they couldn't I get them. But they obviously. That's could. one, like, it, that's but, one but, of MGM's but, titles,
1: like Jeepers Creepers, that they really seem to not like to
0: But like my point is why even Okay, if you can't get the rights to the first one, why release two and and three and four?
1: But my uh, see, I never look at it that way. I say, why not? Like just because one film can't be released, should you never have Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre uh, three? Like you know, or two, two, whatever, or you know, should you never have Phantasm two hit Blu-ray? I'm happy that it hit Blu-ray. I I never really look at it that way. Release them all. If they some take longer than others, then. Then yeah, I mean it, the thing with these is they're just not that desirable films.
0: Well, and that and that's the other thing too. But like I said, you know, it's I mean, really, for a lot of people, they're gonna look at those and go, I don't really need to upgrade my DVDs. I mean, you can buy the box set with all four in it for ten bucks. Indipi- you know, individual discs. Yeah, but
2: they're DVDs though.
0: And they're DVDs, but I mean, <laughs> some people just whatever. Like, do you want? Do you need a Blu-ray of? Well, you, you do. three and four. You do. I'm just pissed off because I'm fucking to <laughs> buying this shit. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck
1: buying it. That's why. That's why you're you're mad. I, 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 but seriously though, on the conversation of like, I honestly don't think that like you need to. It, it, it's either all or none. Like I I really do like what it, I would rather have a copy of Pet Cemetery Two on Blu-ray. No, I if would the be fine one if one and two made. came
0: out. I'd be fine if one and two came out and they couldn't get three and four. But it's just the fact of not having the first film. It yeah, but that's th- just OCD
1: fandom, right?
0: But then again, it's also nice to watch the first film in a franchise before you put in the fucking but, sequel. But
1: there is a Blu-ray, a very affordable Blu-ray of the first film. It's like 7 bucks. But it's not it. Scream Factory. See, I think if they would have, you know, it goes both ways, though, because let's say they would have announced just the first one or something. They'd be like, well, there's already a fucking Blu-ray of the first film. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I honestly wish it would have been the box set because, honestly, that would have made it more intriguing to me to it grab the species films. It would have been more desirable, yeah, been for, more sure, desirable for,
0: sure. for a box set. That's <laughs> pretty much what I'm getting at. So I don't know. It just whatever. But three and four, at least they're putting them in a double feature and they're not separate. Yeah, My God.
1: Thank God. Yeah. Because, honestly, Species 3 – I believe just a couple weeks ago, Jeremy was like, hey, we should do the species films. And I was like,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yeah, species
1: 3 hard. and 4 are not good movies at no, all. They're, they're not
0: that good at all. Especially but, Part 4, man. Part 4 is really, really bad.
1: Yeah, I would
0: say that uh, it's I, possible. I, would... I
1: honestly think I've rated them at fives before, but I was I was smoking crack back then. so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, it happens, man. That's what happened. Oh, no, you just were a fucking asshole back then. That morning I was hitting the rock, and then you're like, okay, what's the rating? Five out of ten. <laughs> yeah.
1: But honestly, like, Species 1... Is definitely a good film. And I honestly think Species 2 is a good film as well. But those other two are made for sci-fi movies.
0: Yeah, which sometimes isn't a bad thing. But in this case, it is. Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, this release, it's going to rank up there with uh, with Scanners two and three for me just for like a, (laughs) you know, a fran or a trilogy or franchise. Scanners,
2: you hate Scanners two and three. It's I like Scanners two
0: and three. But oh, those movies are dreadful, man. Oh, they are terrible, terrible pacing, awful (laughs) stories. Oh, they're fucking boring, man. I, I can't stand those movies, man. I just they're dreadful for me. I'm yeah, really, really surprised, like JP, that you can handle those movies. They're not good movies.
1: Like, I wouldn't rate them,
0: like, a
1: high rating. I, I definitely wouldn't rate them a high rating. But I like them because they're fun. I think I gave uh, the <laughs> oh, second man. one a 6 out of 10 and the I first, can't... the third one a 5 out of 10.
0: Oh, man. Well, maybe one day we'll do the Scanners trilogy and you know where I'm coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Species, it's just... species 2 is a 7.5 out of 10 in my rating. And species three was a five out of ten, species four was a four out of ten. I could have been smoking crack back then, I don't really remember them.
0: Species four you gave a four. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I was a little bit more generous back then.
0: That that, that was God, in two thousand thirteen
1: really when I rated those films. I have that here. I have a list <laughs> of everything that I rated in two thousand I have when I rated them. So that was from two thousand thirteen. Hmm. So nearly three years ago. Interesting. All right, so let's move on to the next titles announced. Uh, they announced what the hell, Manhunter? Yeah, Manhunter. That what is, is that like a prequel? I never seen Manhunter. Is that a prequel to fucking Silence of the Lambs yeah, or something? It was,
2: yeah, it's the first film with Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's oh. released by MG uh, Anchor Bay in like a really nice special edition.
0: Yeah, it's got a f- couple different Anchor Bay releases, but yeah, it's uh, and it's fun, The funny thing about that movie, Hannibal Lecter is actually spelled different too. Hmm. I always found that fascinating.
1: Yeah. But. Interesting. So yeah. they also announced "Lady in the in White."
2: Well, don't say "Lady in the Water."
0: Lady in White. You were close. Yeah. this is a movie that I've always been curious about. So that's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to that. You have you never seen it? No, I've never seen it before. I've been curious about it though.
1: Hmm. Yeah, they they. I think all of these are kind of slated for. 2016 hannibal or the manhunter one i guess is supposed to be a ultimate collector's edition whatever that means it's yeah. ultimate
0: yeah well it does have some nice additions already so they're probably probably acquiring all those features and then putting more in there i don't know that's crazy then we have a double pack with
1: murders in the room Morgue and the dunwich horror
0: yeah that's a good double feature
1: yeah and finally, the title that I was looking forward to, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I knew it was going to happen eventually, and I'm glad that it did.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Anybody who has Arrow <laughs> releases instantly just like
0: uh, pissed. I fucking, I fucking stared at the screen when they announced that, and I was like, why? Why? I'm like, you know, I had, I had a, a sneaky suspicion that this was going to happen, too. But I'm really surprised because, you know, the Arrow edition is really, really stacked. Like when they call it, like, the ultimate region, 2 isn't it? No, I think the features are. I think the film. Yeah, you're right.
1: That's what it is. It's an A, B
0: release. Yeah. And then the movie isn't. But the features are B. So whatever. Um, That's a huge whatever, though. Yeah. It's 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 not for me. Features are everything. But I have two region free players. Yeah, but the general
1: public does not. Including me.
0: Oh man, weak sauce. <laughs> but, anyways, the point is the edition is really, really stacked. Like, it's amazing how much shit is really on this. So, now I am intrigued to see what Screen Factory actually does. If they import those features or if they get the rights to them or whatever, um, and then they do some more, like, I, this edition's is going to be bonkers, man. I, I think the yeah. most exciting thing for me about this release is I just, I'm curious to see the new artwork.
2: Yeah, what they do that, with the
0: sanctioned artwork. So, you know. Yeah, that could be really I'm, shitty. I know. I, I'm really hoping <laughs> that this, you know, this ultimate, ultimate edition that Screen Factory is doing is lackluster. Because, man, I mean, it's. Who knows? You're I think it's going sell well. Because Don't people have. What's that? Did you say you're hoping it's lackluster? No, I said I'm hoping it's not. Oh, lackluster. I was about to <laughs> say. Because, I mean, it's going to be really disappointing because this is a hard release to compete with.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. But for somebody so, like me who did not buy the Arrow and honestly probably will not buy the arrow now especially it's a good it's a good thing it's a good thing for me because it's one of my favorite horror sequels of all time it might be my favorite and you know it, I'm cur- I am curious to see what type of features they do if it's all new stuff then chances are that it won't be better than the arrow if somehow they are able to get some of the arrow features and add stuff then I guess it would be better than the arrow right
0: mm-hmm yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm sure they're... I I, I bet... I put money on it that this release gets, you know, um, you know, gets pushed back a bunch of times.
1: <laughs> it are oh, I mean, doing this they're, and we're
0: doing that. And, you know. They're
1: setting it for 2016 in the summer.
0: Oh, wow. That's actually not that far away when you really think about it. So maybe they've already had the release in the makings for a long time. Who knows? But that's interesting.
1: Yeah, that's, that's you know, that's kind of to the point where i think they're really getting the last few big mgm titles like return of the living dead chainsaw 2 i think those were two of the titles that when scream factory first came about and they were releasing mgms a lot of people asked for them and they probably just put them off and was like we'll save these for a rainy day
0: yeah
1: uh, the only other ones i could really think of is like child's play and Carrie, child's play two and three and Carrie,
3: Mm-hmm.
1: which have all been almost released by Scream Factory in the past, uh, but one thing they can improve on is that awful artwork that Arrow did. for Chainsaw 2
0: Yeah, I don't think it's awful. I don't. It's I don't not think awful. it's the. I, that's
1: exaggeration. I, but I don't think it's. It's not, it not like it
0: doesn't represent
1: the film very well.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's okay. I mean, like I said, you know, maybe that's why subconsciously I was thinking, hey, I want to. I can't wait to see what Scream Factory does with this artwork. So you know.
4: I agree. It, Chainsaw Massacre.
0: I agree. It's not the uh, it's not the uh the tits of artwork, that's for sure. But well
1: TCM has not had a good like artwork release since the VHS days. Just think <laughs> about it, right?
0: TCM2. Fuck, I love when they're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre in uh, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> fucking so funny, man. You guys gotta see the documentary. Uh it just got me laughing. About yeah. how <laughs> I wouldn't even I not even ruin it, but it's fucking so funny. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking breakfast club spoof, oh my God, so fucking uh, funny when they're talking about this in the oh, great stuff, great stuff that is <laughs> the
1: news that's all of it,
0: righty, that is gonna conclude the news. Wow, that went on a little longer than I was anticipating actually <laughs> uh yeah, so that, was yeah, a long one, yeah, it was actually um. But moving along, getting into mood swings here, and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for November tenth, two thousand fifteen, and I have to say, this has got to be the most lackluster release date in recent memory. I think probably since well, what was it? It was it in August where there was a couple weeks where there was like nothing,
3: nothing
0: yeah, like nothing. This one is pretty bad, I have to say. Now originally. I think the Mutilator by Arrow was supposed to be released today after uh, the one pushback. (laughs) I think that one's been pushed back a couple times, which is fine. Uh, But it was pushed back to this date a while ago. But getting into the releases, we've got one from Screen Factory here. And of course, IFC, (laughs) Uh, Bound to Vengeance. You know, of course, we cannot talk about Screen Factory and IFC enough. And I have heard really good things about Bound of Vengeance. What have you guys heard?
1: I have heard mostly good things. I I believe even when I talked to a few people who have seen way more movies than me this year, they have uh, recommended this one a few times. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to see this one because I'm always looking forward to these good IFC releases. (laughs) But yeah, Bound of Vengeance looks awesome. Uh, this one really actually kind of took me by surprise. I was surprised to see this hitting Blu-ray and DVD uh, from Intervision which is uh, just a sublabel of Severn Films for the people out there that did not know that uh, they are the same company. Um Queen of Blood is hitting DVD and Blu-ray. So this is going to mark the first Blu-ray release for uh, Intervision. Um or the sublabel of Severn. I mean Severn has tons of Blu-rays, but under the Intervision label, yes. Queen of Blood. I know absolutely nothing about this movie, so I will definitely have to pick it up because I love Intervisions releases, and it's probably a really shitty film, but that's the way it goes. <laughs>
3: like really so yeah, Queen of film. Blood
0: DVD, DVD, and Blu-ray. That's just took me by surprise, man. Um, and <laughs> and last for the DVD releases this week, um, there's a movie called Deep Park that is coming out. Uh, this is being released by Uncorked. Don't know anything about it. Um, really, really pathetic release week. Really pathetic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Try. What is your release of the week?
0: <laughs> I know. Isn't this like crazy? Um, yeah, man. This. I don't even know how to do this, but okay. So for release of the week, um, not to sound biased or anything, but I am going with. Uh, the Scream Factory IFC release of uh, Bound of Vengeance because, I mean, the buzz is that it's really good and that's always a plus.
1: And we know nothing play. about the other two. So, I mean, <laughs> you're going to have to pick something.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, and I mean, yeah, you know, word on the street is that it's good. So, eh, got to go with Bound of Vengeance. So, and I do, it by the sounds of it, it does sound like a lot of people are picking that up this week. So that's good. Cool. So, yeah. Um most definitely, the most pathetic week for releases ever. <laughs> Just awful. Alrighty, so that is going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, moving along into voicemails, and I believe we do have a few voicemail slash questions this week.
1: Okay, do, do we have we... any written questions, Mads?
0: Um, do we have a written question? I believe that we did have. Do you have one? It? Uh, I do. I can't remember which one was actually written. I didn't write it down.
1: Okay. Uh, then shall we, I guess, read it from the email? Cause I do have it from the email.
0: Yes. Do that. I'm just, okay. I just, I wrote my questions down and the voicemails in, in order. So I'm, I can't remember which one was actually the written one. <laughs>
1: Okay, so it says, hey guys, sorry for the lame question
0: last week. Ha
1: ha ha, just kind of tossed some stuff out there. Who knows, this might be lame as well, al- as also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you did like laughing? Ha ha ha. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to bring up the topic of future remakes. You probably have talked about this, but I honestly don't remember if you have in any recent podcasts. My girlfriend told me, I know what you did last summer was being remade. This kind of shocked me. But when you really look at it, the movie is nearly 20 years old, which, first of all, that actually surprised me when he wrote that down. I was like, holy cow, that hurts my, like, life. My lifeline is dying. Oddly enough, when I, read, old?
0: when I read that, I went, what was taking him so long to remake that, considering <laughs> how they remake things like what, f- Fever. Five, four or five days after a movie comes out now? you know, Yeah. We're not, we're not even going to give that fucker a week. We're going to remake that bitch.
1: Yeah. So he says that he had a similar reaction When he found out about Cabin Fever What would your thoughts On a surge of remakes Coming from the late 90s Post-Scream era slashers And horror from the early 2000s If they are going to start This I guess I wouldn't Mind a urban legend remake As long as they don't give it A prom night PG-13 treatment Speaking of post-Scream Slashers Post-Scream Slashers. Yeah, I know. Probably the last thing you guys want to talk about. I was glad to hear Cherry Falls was getting Blu-ray treatment from Scream Factory. I really hope they track down the uncut footage. It is definitely one of my favorite flicks from that era. If you have one, what would be your favorite late 90s, early 2000s slasher?
0: Okay, first of all, I want to touch on the uh, the uncut footage of Cherry Falls. We did actually talk about that on last week's podcast. Um Apparently it doesn't exist. So they they
1: did say they're they said they're still looking to see if they can find a place that might have it.
0: Yeah, but it seems to be that it might be lost destroyed. or destroyed or something like that. So basically the cut that Scream Factory is going to be putting out is the cut that we have. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. So I mean, it is what it is. Not it's than kind nothing. of Yeah, exactly. And that's the way I look at it too. So true that.
2: I already had a whole spiel about that.
0: Yeah. Um, as for the question, favorite late, ni- late 90s, early 2000s slasher films. Um, honestly, the very first one that came to my mind, I didn't even hesitate. I actually threw JP a message and I said, oh, I'm going to have to do some research on this one. He thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course I did because that's just the way I am. But uh, the first one that actually came to my mind before I even started was, was Call of Us. From 1999, it's a slasher film I reviewed. I want to say on an older channel, I, I can't even remember when I did the review. Um, it's one that's not really talked about a whole lot, but it's it's a really fucking good slasher film, man. Really, really good, and it's called *Culabas*. Call so definitely check that one out. Just a couple other notable ones: uh, *Cut* from 2000. Um, I think that one right there is actually starring Molly Ring Ringwald, <laughs> which is really strange. I believe it's a uh, Australian film. Um, and I know I might catch some hate for this one, but I really enjoy Valentine. I actually didn't like this movie when it first came out, but watching the movie years later, I think it's a really enjoyable early 2000s uh, slasher film from 2001. So yeah, those are the ones that I'd read down. So,
1: What about you, Jeremy? Um, I just went with Wrong Turn. Yeah. Honestly, if we're calling Wrong Turn a slasher, then that would be my favorite as well.
0: Yeah, I don't really consider it to be a slasher film, but I mean, I'm not going to argue, whatever. If you consider uh, it a slasher film, that's fine. But If you want to go more like
1: just straight up slasher style, I would probably have to go with one of the late screams like Scream 2 or Urban Legend because I actually do kind of like that one as well. But yeah. the, I was actually surprised at the lack of good ones that there were in the late, late 90s that I could, I could really think of offhand.
0: Well, it's all those big kind of mainstream ones that really overshadow, but there really isn't a lot of them. Yeah. You know, a lot of the slasher films are just really popular mainstream ones that came out, you know, from 96 to 99 kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if you want to consider High Tension to be one uh from 2003, you know, that that was pretty good. I uh, kind of That sp- would definitely
1: <laughs> be the best one if you're yeah. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I guess it's debatable. <laughs> but um, uh, another one that no one ever really talks about. This is kind of getting into the mids, but it's called Hellbent. It's from two thousand four. Have you guys heard the, heard about this one before? No.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Hellbent is a really kind of unique slasher film um, because it deal. It's like a gay slasher film. It's really interesting. It's I haven't like. Heard of that yeah but i remember the first time i heard the premise and i was like it just it got me so intrigued i had to check it out and it was really good it was actually surprisingly really good um i believe it takes place on halloween too so yeah
1: Um, um remaking new things uh you know how we feel about that really i mean we always initially we always will say that it's kind of a pointless remake any remake that comes up unless it's like remaking film Z from 1976 it's nobody's ever heard of if it's a film that we know then we're always probably going to say that it's pointless until we actually see a trailer maybe see the film then then we might like it but initial reaction is always pointless
0: I mean yeah I mean I'll be honest man you know getting back to that I know I know what you did last summer Um, you know some people are shocked but you know oh it might be remaking I know you did last summer I'm like giddy up man (laughs) I know what you did last summer is an awful film, in my opinion. I think it's just awful. It's I, really, really I nothing. I never, I never a really of cared people for say it. It's awful, when, though. I never really, can't, I never really understood. You know, I mean, the hype. I mean, I guess I understand the hype behind it because it was, you know, marketed right after Scream and stuff. It made a lot of sense, but I don't really think the movie's that great. And some people just praise the shit out of that. But when I, you know, when I heard the Who rumors that it was getting people. remade. I know, and I was like, okay, it's not really that great, man. I mean, the third act in that film is one of the worst ever. It's just god awful. But really, you know, a remake? I'm like, giddy up! Oh yeah, the third act, shitty man. <laughs> it's really the bad. F- what a final chase sequence. Just the the whole probably forty minutes of the film is just bad. And I mean, and I swear to God, I would like to the acting it. in that film even got worse but as the film time.
1: progressed. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do oh. remember that. I seen some clips on it. On a video on YouTube, and I was like, "Oh,
0: this doesn't." I liked <laughs> it, is, it at the time. It's tough. Yeah. I, I feel like I it was just t- it, doesn't oh, it doesn't
1: hold up. Realize it doesn't at all. It, now. Yeah.
0: it really doesn't, man. It's just. But you know, for a remake, I'd be like, okay, you know, whole new cast. You know, let's get some unknowns in there and do it it's up It's not properly. a
1: bad story, right? Like, no, no, small, that's the thing. Like that's fisherman the thing. town, they, yes. they, 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 it's graduation. Uh, or what 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 was it on New Year's what I forget 4th of July it was some holiday that they were or the graduation I can't really remember but they hit somebody they kill him they hide the body they you know like that's a good story
0: yeah and then what a year later yeah they start getting picked yeah, up yeah not
1: a bad like s- synopsis like the the mm-hmm. overall concept of it
0: <clears throat> yeah but yeah i mean whatever I, I would I would actually be down for a remake. I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> Alright, we'll see this remake. <laughs> uh, I guess that's, is that
1: the only written question?
0: Yes. All yes.
1: Right, so let's hop into the voicemails. First up, we have one from Brandon? Yeah, so let's play Brandon.
4: Hey guys, it's Brandon. Uh, I want to get this week's message in, hopefully on time. Uh, it's about an idea I had. I posted it in the Facebook group and Jeremy and uh, J.P. know about it, about an ABC's of Death Contest.
0: Oh, well
4: then, fuck you, Brandon. Based on a letter they were signed, and uh, J.P. and I would be the judges, and the top three would get prizes. Now, it's still in its very infant stages, but if we can get enough people, at least ten, I figure, I will give out prizes for the top three. Um, Right now, I got six people who pretty much told me they'd do it, so... uh, yeah, let's um spread the word and hopefully get enough people into this. I think it'll be a fun little contest and uh see what type of ideas people have. Alright, I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Later.
1: All right, so that's Brandon announcing another contest type thing that's gonna go on in the group page. Uh a written story contest, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Fiction.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know, get an English degree to y- actually use it, so I'm not going to partake in this. <laughs> I'm not fucking writing anything. No, I just honestly, it's a really good idea. I I like the idea. I hope more people get involved in this stuff. I just don't have the time to me sit neither, down, man. And, and fucking write a story. And because with me, if I if I sit down, maybe you know, or I could actually just pull out one of my old ones. Um, but I just don't have the time to sit there and edit because I'm I'm like Jeremy. I just I can't. You know, I'd send it to him. He'd edit and I'd have to make fucking more, you know, you know, touch ups on. it would take me way too long. I'd miss the deadline.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I (laughs) think it's a great idea. I said that we'd post uh, the stories on the site. Yeah, I obviously would never be able to do something like this because I'm a terrible at see, English.
0: This is why I wish that there was less letters in the alphabet because you wanted to do like a, like a written ABCs of death type thing. So you know everyone's assigned a letter. You know it'd be cool to have 26 people, but I really doubt 26 people are going to get involved. But it'd be cool if there was. Maybe,
1: yeah. See, I don't know. I like that idea, of it of it being like themed like that, but I it, I can't really see that many people wanting to be you know go out on a link because one people are going to be judging your story right like that's that's the big thing where i mm-hmm. like think it, it'll <clears throat> shoot like chew some people away as they're just like man i don't want to be judged you know a lot of people are like that man so uh it, wh- whoever we get i mean we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do with it but brandon awesome hosting contests in the, in the site i mean how awesome is that right like he's went yeah. out of his own time is like hey i'll give away free stuff to people in in our group page like that is so fucking cool dude like we mm-hmm. have like the coolest listeners ever
0: yeah i'm, I'm surprised you didn't bring up the, the whole secret santa thing
1: secret you know? satan get the name right
0: secret satan i say satan secret satan for halloween um yeah i think pretty much everyone's got their stuff you know um for the people that don't know, it's just a, you know, secret saying thing for Halloween instead of, you know, Christmas. I think pretty much everyone's got their stuff except for me. Yeah. So that's, that sucks.
1: We're going to give it (laughs) another two weeks and we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, it's just the risk you take with things like this. Yeah. Uh it, like one the person who does have you could actually be busy. I didn't get mine out till the week of Halloween and I'm a fucking leader of this group, you know, one of the leaders. And you know that and and I ha- would have like, you know, tons of pressure on me to not screw somebody. So I if there's a regular person, chances are they can even have a worse month or whatever. Uh and two, if they did actually just, you know, <laughs> snake out of it or whatever then fuck you. Then you know, it, it's just the risk you take. We had that happen in our NFL poll last year. One person didn't one out of the fifteen or whatever that was in it, those are those are not bad odds. You know, it's yeah. it's a chance yeah. that you're gonna take. Twenty yeah. what did we have? Twenty some people doing this, twenty-six or some crazy shit. It's funny that
0: I kinda called this too. I'm like, I just feel like I'm gonna get fucked on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I have those feelings, man, you know? It was, yeah. that is what it is. It is what it is. But you know, it, it's probably a good thing, JP, that we switched, eh? got enough fucking movies yeah. as it is. because I, I don't think that person would er <laughs> yeah <laughs> Who knows? yeah so
1: um so yeah but anyways uh definitely if you're interested in the written story contest either message me or brandon or post in the group or message moods or whoever just contact us say you want to join and uh, all you gotta do is write a story and uh submit it so uh we'll, we'll once we get more people on board we'll talk about how it's going to play out but uh Let's move on to another voicemail. This one is from Chris. Yo, this is
4: Chris Vance. I'm calling in, and I am feeling good right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, yeah, this is Chris Vance from the Garden of Horror, and I got to think of a question right now. (laughs) What you guys should do first is really get in. That mood, talk about the music drink. Because I would like to have a conversation with them about that. And that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Alright, so I got to think of a question. <clears throat> Alright, so here's the question What guy would you like to drink with? Like a villain in a horror movie? And why would you like to do that? Because that would be awesome. Like, you could be like, you know, a killer or whatever, and you would have a drink with them, and it'll be a good time, because you guys can go out into the night and do your thing. All right,
1: <clears throat> later. All right, which horror movie villain or killer would you like to sit down and have a beer with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah.
1: Otis from House of a Thousand. Damn, you actually, that's the one that I had, too.
0: That is I had
2: a
1: ba- fun. I have a backup, though.
2: <laughs> totally he's a cool ass motherfucker
0: yeah this is, a, this is a good question man <clears throat> i really enjoyed it actually uh but yeah i would yeah i would definitely like to have that conversation with you buddy about beers you know that Shock. would be cool yeah shot topper but um i actually as the question was you know being delivered i instantly came up with my answer and it was a no-brainer for me and that's patrick bateman of course that was from, another
1: like, one jesus christ
0: yeah <laughs> I, instantly, I have a third backup. Yeah, I was like, Patrick Bateman's got to be my fucking choice because he's just he just seems like he'd be so fun and cool to talk to. I, I think we just have a great time.
1: Yeah, he'd be just so. telling you all kind of shit about pointless yeah. facts. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah,
0: it'd be a perfect match.
1: So good picks from both of you, both picks that I actually had thought of literally thought of and was you know gonna use either one of them but i did have a third one that i thought of and that was hannibal lecter simply because he is so intelligent and you would just feel like this guy is a genius and he's gonna tell me a bunch of stuff and he's gonna trick me and then he
0: no that's not a bad one i hope he likes
2: your mexican asshole (laughs) it's a very erotic piece of meat
1: What I don't even know how to respond. Ah, <laughs> uh, awesome! Just fucking
0: stuff,
2: put man. it in a fucking corn tortilla and fucking
0: just. Oh, it's kind this of ironic. A, this is, is amazing. In a corn, in a corn tortilla. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> a rusty starfish in the middle of that corn tortilla. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Those are those are definitely interesting uh, concepts, though, right? Like drinking with a villain. You, I see we all went with either like like a smart ass or a smart guy.
0: Yeah, because I think those conversations would be awesome. Yeah, you know, it just be fun. All
1: right. So next up, we have one from actually we have two from Dave Z from Banana Laser Podcast and Skeleton Crew Podcast, I believe. So here's Dave.
5: it's no. steve it's dave z everybody's favorite italian stallion just calling because <laughs> Yo they person. have a lot of shit to say but i'm very happy about this uh italian horror directors month because i love that stuff and uh especially today our channel is my favorite horror director period so i know you guys are gonna do some justice because come on the animal trilogy is fantastic I gotta say, my favorite of the three is Four Flies. But, uh, it's all great. Our gentleman's the only director that has never... I've never watched a movie of his and said it sucked. Yeah, yeah, I know. Some are gonna disagree. Okay. But, uh, I meant to call before. I <coughs> Phantom to get, of the uh, Opera. Jeremy, with the uh, ABC's A Death 2 uh, rating. Er, I mean, well, I will leave 2. Although it does Kind of resemble Maybe See the Death Anyway I just gotta tell you this I think that Of the eight Six are watchable Two I would never Want to see again That carnival one Sucked ass And that other one With the father and son And whatever That one was terrible too I don't even remember. Uh, But you know It wasn't all that bad uh. So I have to stick By my six But again It's a six I'll watch that movie Probably again But I'll just use Chapter search It's I don't think it's as bad as uh, okay. you say, Jeremy. But and I don't know how much you love the first one, but I don't know. I give it like a seven out of ten. I don't, I can't justify going like above an eight. But if but if you do it, eh? you know what can I say? Then uh then I don't know what you're talking about either. <laughs> but anyway, man, the boys were kind of rough on you last show, so I ain't gonna bust your balls. I love you, homie. You're all cool. Fucking uh, I,
0: sympathy, I fully expect Jesus Christ.
5: Three minutes, so. When it breaks, it breaks. But uh Moods, hey, go Bills. Take the Sabres with you. No, thank you. Seriously fucking fed up with my hometown team, so I got nothing else to say about that. And JP, I have to say I was wrong. I'll give you props. Eli Roth did not disappoint with Green Inferno at all, and I even like knock-knock. So I'm not going to say dude's gotten better, but he definitely didn't fall off like I thought he was gonna. So, you know, props to you. Props to Mr. Roth. And, uh, we'll see what happens next.
1: We're just gonna roll in the next voicemail, by the way.
5: And, to the matters at hand, Italian horror, I wanna ask you guys, since you love questions, hold on, Jeremy, sorry, sorry. Yeah, shit, I timed that perfect, see? You gone oh, fucked up, son. See, Jeremy, sorry, sorry. You know, I, I know you might be over there saying, another fucking voicemail? <laughs> somebody might say it's 1.30 in the morning or uh-huh. some shit like that but, <laughs> just busting balls man
0: 11.30am um, here
5: Yeah, so I hopefully I can make this up with entertainment even if it is two messages and it might be taking up so much time But <laughs> yes I want to know since you love questions and they're not difficult questions when I ask so nobody's got to worry about it <laughs> foreign movie not just Italian if everybody can pick just one foreign movie, what would it be? What's your favorite? That's not hard. I know you guys can do that. And anthologies. First you did Tales from the Crypt, which was an anthology show. And then you were talking about uh, an anthology movie with tales, for, tales of Halloween, which was good. I want to know what everybody's favorite one of that is. For me, it's real easy because I think that creep show as far as movies go, it's standalone fantastic, the best. Everything about it is amazing, and I could go on and on. I don't think anything can touch it, but there has been a lot of good ones. And uh, television shows forget about it, the original Twilight Zone. Uh, to me, nothing can touch it, but I know nostalgia weighs in. I think most of those shows are hit and miss, but I think that, uh, you know, Twilight Zone like 90% hit. So that's all I got to say And uh, like I said Looking forward to this And talk to you guys later
1: Alright so that's Dave Asking us a few questions I gotta say that that was a pretty damn good voicemail Even though it was two parters Uh, First up guys What is your favorite anthology TV show?
2: TV show? Yeah I thought you just said your favorite horror TV show
0: Either or
1: Oh, well, Tales from the Crypt, Oh, that's the answers are right there anyway. (laughs) Tales from the Crypt. I got to go with Dave and agree that the Twilight Zone is definitely like 90% hit, if not even higher.
0: Like, I don't even think that you're ever like, man, that episode sucked. You know what I mean? I thought that he underrated that, man. I was like 90%. I was like, motherfucker. That's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've stated many times, man. The Twilight Zone is by far my favorite show. It's one of those shows that it doesn't you can just grab it's a timeless, random disc and pop it in and the episodes are awesome. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to look at the cha- the episodes or whatever. It's just it's amazing. I always said that the Twilight Zone was so far ahead of its time. like some of those it's episodes true. were just amazingly written. even today, you know, fifty years later, mm-hmm. um fifty plus years later. well, just think about how many times they've been ripped off and reused exactly. <laughs> I mean, tons even the remakes of the twilight zone just started ripping off older episodes you know yeah. remaking those and they you know they've used some of these ideas in films obviously and uh it 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 really is amazing yeah. so good
1: i got to go with tales from the crypt overall though just because it's more of a horror show than twilight zone
0: yeah yeah i mean those are definitely my two front runners too so yeah
1: but. uh favorite anthology movie jeremy
2: well You know, Creepshow, of course, is classic. And uh, the newly released Dr. Karras' House of Horrors, I've talked about that one a lot, is one that I really, really like.
1: So that's your favorite?
0: Yeah. Moods. Um, Growing up, man, I was the hugest Creepshow fan, you know, Um, probably until 2006 (laughs) when uh, (laughs) Trick or Treat came out um I, I shouldn't actually say that because trigger treat never took over the number 1 spot for a couple years after i liked it when it came out but i just it grew on me it grew right over Creepshow show if that makes any sense it just kind of trigger treat is my favorite man i think that is like a flawless anthology you know what
1: man you are correct it is it is the a near perfect anthology it it really is i can't really even think of of big negatives i have with it maybe just certain bits of comedy could be over the top but i even then it's a stretch that is my favorite anthology as well Or that is the best anthology, I think. But my favorite anthology, and it's hard because that one is one of my favorites as well, the Trick or Treat. But my favorite is Tells from the Hood.
0: Yeah, you know, I actually had that, you know, kind of noted too. It's definitely one of my favorites. That's a
1: truly great movie that is underappreciated simply because the title sounds like like you know, oh, tells from the hood that, you know, it sounds so bad in in a way, right? That film has mad social commentary and undertone.
0: Oh, it totally does. It's a brilliant
1: movie, kind of. (laughs) It's crazy to say
0: that, but it is i think it's getting a little you know it's kind of getting forgotten because a lot of people haven't seen it because they can't
1: yeah the dvd is like out of print and it didn't really have a big release to begin with yeah it really come on it really
0: didn't even the vhs's are getting very scarce to find too so you know people are asking a lot more about it so hopefully someone puts in some hard work one day and acquires those rights from yeah. pesky hbo or whoever the fuck owns it um man. like
1: Synapse recently told me who owned it. They actually tweeted me back when I was like, "Who the hell owns Hell's from the Hood?" And they—I forget who they said, but it wasn't HBO. It well, was not HBO. It was like, so um, maybe you to tell me
0: HBO Warner made Brothers. The film. They had, wow! And then they—they end up selling. it.
1: What the? Why is this the I movie not been re- released? I forget who it was. Oh, uh, Warner. Yeah, Warner owns it. Uh, I oh, tweeted at Synapse, seeks. and they said. Uh, I was like, who owns it? Universal, because that's what I heard. HBO, I heard Spike Lee owns it. Uh, They said Warner owns it. So fucking Warner, man. They don't sub-license, really. Maybe it'll come out on their Warner Archives label.
0: Which is fine, because if they drop the uh, Tales from the Hood um, on the Warner Archive on Blu-ray, it'll be pressed up. So you won't feel cheated. Uh, What was the third question? Favorite horror or uh, uh, foreign horror film? Yes. Of all time, um, I kind of cheated on this one. I just because there's so many old films that I fucking love. You know, like I mean, obviously Italian films. You know, anything Bava and and things like that. And I was considering, um, you know, the Phantom Carriage and Eyes Without a Face. There's so many good foreign films. It's just ridiculous. Uh, so I decided to cheat. And I decided to go with one of my like favorite ones, like at the moment, and it's Wake and Fright. It's not necessarily a like a full blown horror film. I consider it to be horror because. It has this nightmare feel to it that is just so hard to explain unless you actually see the film. It, it's just so captivating and amazing. I, I've watched this movie so many times since I've had it. It's crazy. Um, but Wake and Fright from Australia. Um, awesome. Yeah. Awesome flick, man. I just I'm in love with it right now. Yeah. Jeremy, what about you?
2: Easy. My favorite film of all time.
1: The Phantom's Carriage from the year 1921. It's a good pick. Uh, me personally i I didn't really look into this question all that much because uh, i just didn't feel like going through my entire library and be like what is my favorite uh foreign film it is just pure laziness i do not feel like doing that uh but the one that i always go to is let the right one in i I mean this film to me is one of the best films in the past 20 years I, i love it so much i I haven't even watched it because I want the Blu-ray. I never even watched my DVD because I was just like, I need to see this on Blu-ray next time I see it. Uh, But yeah, I I just fell in love with the beauty of that film, the snow, the blood, the vampire mythology. Fucking great movie. Good choice. Yes, and he also commented on Roth. Uh, I I give Dave props for being honest because I did. You know, some people when they're really, uh, you know standing offish about like Eli Roth they will never admit that they m- might be wrong and yeah so he liked he liked Eli
0: Roth's uh, two new films i guess how did how did Eli Roth become such a hostile you know name you know people get so offended like you know, if you bring up Eli Roth as a good director, you know, people are just easily offended by anything related yeah. to Eli Roth, his name, his films he produced or wrote or fucking interview. It, it doesn't matter what he does. People are mm-hmm. are always up in arms about Eli Roth. okay. I me, exactly or do I see lie. nothing wrong with Eli Roth? I'll tell you exactly what I don't understand. And I've I've said Eli Roth is a cool guy. As a matter of fact, I want to go out for a fucking drink after I go out with Patrick Bateman. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So I think this is not relative to Dave because I think Dave
1: just honestly did think that Eli Roth's films were a little overrated. But Mm -hmm. most people, I think, hate Eli Roth because they are haters. They are just haters in terms of Eli Roth is attractive. He made it big in Hollywood. He's Quentin Tarantino's boy. Uh, He has this like frat boy look to him. Uh, He said people just don't like him. People just don't like him for those reasons. It's pure pure hater mentality. Uh, They don't like the fact that he was successful. And like
2: the the horror, the haunted house, and like the in Las Vegas, and like all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah i I don't get it, man.
2: He's a pretty boy,
1: mean, dude. He's a pretty boy horror fan, and people don't like guess, that. They want horror fans to be fat with tattoos and fucking I, heavy metal, heavy head hangers and. I guess it's skinny, simple. You know? I guess it's
0: as simple as that, right? You know, haters will be haters, and they just don't like the look. I mean, it's so sad that it actually comes to something like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, you just can't. You can't all just, the you know, in, like, look at his film. You can't just judge him by the films in, the, in his career, but, you know, you're looking at him personally. So it, this is like more of a personal hate and these people is? won't allow themselves to, you know, maybe, you know, admit that he doesn't actually do that bad at work, no, but they don't like way. him. So that's interesting because there is people out there that I, you know, I don't like as a person, but I do like their films and, you know, The obvious choice (laughs) is Victor Selma. Yeah, exactly. I think the guy is despicable. I think he's disgusting. And he probably should be dropped off on an island and bombed (laughs) repeatedly. But that doesn't change the fact of the matter that I do enjoy his films. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just have to kind of look at things from an objective point of view. I mean, this is pure hatred. Personal hatred.
1: Now there me. are the the people out there who do who are like Dave and actually do just think that he hasn't done as well as everybody says he has done, which is fine. I just don't like the people that are like fucking Eli Roth, man, dude sucks, fucking pretty boy faggot. You call me
2: pretentious, you
0: <laughs> fucking assholes. God.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've literally heard people call him. Come on,
0: like, Jeremy, let's not get ahead of ourselves.
1: Uh, call him like pretty boy faggot. Like I've heard people say that,
0: which is fucked up, really. But it's not even true. Eli Ross, not gay. (laughs) You know, if you, you know, it's just like, it's so uncalled for. It's so uncalled for. Like, I mean, you know, you shouldn't be calling people faggots, but like, I don't know, man. People are just fucked, man. I just don't get it. Just look at, you know, judge people, you know, based on their work. It's the same
1: reason people hate Rob Zombie, but it's a different reason. It's it's the same style. It's just haters being haters, but it's for a different reason. It's true. Fucking Rob Zombie's slut wife. They always
0: say that. That's my favorite <laughs>
1: one, because I'm like, dude, you <laughs> yeah. a she can be ass. as slutty as she wants. Oh, he just ah, he,
0: so. he did this movie because he just wanted to throw fucking Sherry Moon into uh into a role. Just yeah, guess to show what? If I'm making
1: off. if I'm making movies, I'm putting moods in every one of my movies. I don't fucking care. He's my friend. You know, I don't see how that's a fucking big deal. It's not exactly. like it's you not know, like it, Sherry Moon is like the worst actor either either. Like she did good in Lords
0: she did do good in lords and she even said herself that she wasn't sure if she's going to be able to hold it down and I, I think that she did a good job so but yeah. and you know and that's that's the beauty i mean look there's tons of filmmakers out there that do this all the time kevin smith makes movies with his friends yeah okay, so why the, the fuck, fuck would you not do movie? it <laughs> if i was a filmmaker i would totally cast my friends also because it would make the experience fucking fun yeah. why not why not keep that you know that uh it's you a know, fr- that feel you know that feel you know everyone knows each other you know you're gonna you're gonna come off really well uh-huh. you know things are just gonna come off really well in the film and natural and things like that so why not work with your friends i would cast you guys i'd, I'd cast jeremy as a pretentious asshole yeah, that worked I, in a movie store and like oh you're gonna fucking rent that that's not french you don't fucking rent non-french films <laughs> bullshit <laughs> fucking bullshit
2: yeah you don't rent you don't rent fucking non-french films french you films
0: don't even don't rent films no you like, you're like, put that fucking Italian film away. You only watch French.
2: Yeah, considering I oh. fucking gonna watch twelve fucking Italian films this month.
0: <laughs> well, you really didn't have a choice, now, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you did because it was a group decision. So.
1: Well, he um, got outvoted either way. It's, yeah, well, it's majority rules. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's how we do things. Majority rules. Yeah, we're and gonna do a French month. Agree month? on something, and Jeremy's like, no. We're
2: gonna do a French <laughs> month. Probably not.
0: Maybe in February. February French month. No.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. All right. We're going to do an entire French episode. The Fab Five. Don't forget it.
0: Yeah, that is coming. So there, that's a big episode. Yeah,
1: that's a huge episode. But uh, let's move on with the voicemails, guys. We got a couple more here. We got one from Derek right now.
3: Yo, what's
4: going on? 22 Shots. Derek here. Italian Horror Month is the greatest thing ever thought of. <laughs> Thank you. My question is related, of course, to this, of course. I know that the Animal Trilogy is scored by Ennio Morricone, who pretty much is an awesome composer, in my opinion. I know he's probably better known with his work in westerns and stuff with Sergio Leone, who actually did give Argento his first writing job with Fellow Italian director in the future Bernardo Bertolucci on the film Once Upon a Time in the West. Then also Marconi has scored numerous giallo films, not only for Argento but also Fulci, Lindsay. I know he's scored for Aldo Lado too. A like, bunch of his films, including the Night Train Murders and. My question is, he also, of course, did work with future directors, too, like De Palma, Coppender, he scored the thing for John Coppender, which I thought was really interesting because carpenter was a big Leone fan. And I was just wondering, what do you yeah, think of true. his composing library of films, of the ones you have seen? Hope to hear back. Wicked awesome. T.S. Sorry that I was possessed by Marlon Brando last show. It happens sometimes. He just comes inside me. I know that didn't sound right at all, but
0: he just comes inside you.
4: <laughs> and he likes to be heard it, because it's Marlon Brando. So I hope to hear back from you guys.
0: Peace
1: out. Make it awesome. <laughs> Please I don't excuse you Derek. He's a Patriots fan.
0: exactly i don't think he realized what he said there (laughs) (laughs) he just comes inside me sometimes oh god that might even be the rankest thing i ever said on the show
2: New sound clip right there so Uh, texas chainsaw massacre it's gonna be he came inside
0: (laughs) that's so good um yeah what do we think about you know morricone's uh you know filmography he's worked my god huge that's what i think about it it's Insane! How many movies this guy's worked on? Um, yeah, that's really impressive. Uh, you know, besides the obvious choices with uh, you know Argento's Animal Trilogy, man, he really did work on a lot of really good giallos in the seventies. And I mean, the guy is still working today, which is phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, just talk about putting in work. Oh, yeah. um, a couple films that came off my mind, like Once Upon a Time in the West, of course, um, the music in that film is fantastic. And then going right into you know the eighties, Once Upon a Time in America. Um, yeah, great music in that film. Um, really interesting. You worked on that film too, uh, but I have to say, Black Belly of the Tarantula great, great score in that film. Uh, Short Night of the Gla- of Glass Dolls, uh, which is a film I did review. Um, really, really cool premise, man. Awesome, awesome premise, and how th- this Giallo is developed is really cool. And I also said Spasmo because I recently watched Spasmo, Umberto Lenzi Spasmo. Um, after all these years of wanting to see it, and it is fantastic. The movie's fantastic i reviewed it on here um i'm not sure if i mentioned the music i probably did because i usually do but um it's really really good so but those are a couple choices of mine uh
1: me personally i would probably have to go with one of the three uh, animal trilogy simply because i honestly haven't seen a lot of these films i was looking through his list the thing is good uh i read that he did kill bill is that true that's another good up, one
0: some i think that they might have used music that he composed yeah before. that's what i
1: thought that was thinking yeah. it actually was i don't think he it, like they sampled his work not he actually composed on the film yeah
0: I mean most of the music in those films is just yeah it's just been rehashed right so
1: yeah so uh I would probably go with out of the animal trilogy probably oh man it's tough because all three of them i really like but maybe cat cat of nine Tails, i like best maybe mm-hmm yeah Jeremy
0: cool I'm
2: gonna go with a unconventional non-horror film uh, Days of Heaven Terrence Malick uh, just a really really fantastic film and I've uh, never seen it a really great score you can pick up on Criterion Collection uh, it's slow and I don't think it's for everybody but uh, it has a really great score
0: so in other words, it's probably a really, really pretentious film.
2: <laughs> I guess so. Any Isn't anything in Criterion pretentious besides Pink Flamingos? Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I don't know. I don't think. Yeah. But, um, no, it sounds like Terrence Malick. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right.
1: So that was the only question from Derek, right? Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Lawrence.
4: Hey, guys. It's Lawrence. I might be a little late to call in for the podcast today, uh, but – In case I do make it on time, I know that one of you who apparently has a sandy vagina is complaining about the question being hard. So, (laughs) let's make things a bit dissentier. I want to know, what is your favorite setting for horror film? I mean, just a place where things go crazy just an atmosphere where things
2: yeah really hard crazy, question dude
4: really eerie it could be anything it could be the classic run down turn of the century house or it could be the always fun and popular carnival maybe it's a run down space station on another planet just let me know what you enjoy and what you would look forward to in a horror film. anyway hope to. Hear your next podcast
0: real soon. Great night, guys. Bye. Uh, Yeah, Lawrence, thank you for the question. I like it. Uh, Favorite setting for a horror film? Um, Yeah, I've stated many, many times, man, what mine is. Mine is straight up in malls. I love malls settings for anything it doesn't even matter if it's like a horror film a non-horror film i mean fucking mall rats is awesome really? <laughs> love me some mall settings i don't know there's something weird about a mall i'm not even a big mall person myself it's like, like i don't like to capsule. it is i think that's what it is because i generally don't like to hang out at malls now well i shouldn't i'm like 35 years old that's ridiculous um but even when i was younger i didn't really you know loiter at fucking malls and shit like that but um just love it. There's something weird about a mall. Mall rat's awesome. Dawn of the Dead is my favorite horror film of all time, but not by chance, you know, <laughs> it takes place in a mall. Um, love me some chopping uh, mall, you know, shit like yeah. that. But any any type of scenes in malls, I just love. Like even the the mall scene in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, yeah. Fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome. You know, it's just, it's wicked to see. I don't know. There's something cool about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to pick up like a backup one, you know, it'd be like maybe like a grocery store. You know, I've always said Intruder is one of my favorite slasher films. Partially and do I mean, it does have really, really good kills in it, but I love the setting. Every time I watch that movie, I notice different products. Love the cereal aisle, you know, all the old cereals. And, shit. and it's kind of cool when you watch that film because it came out in 1989. And a lot of the, the products that are in the film still look the exact same today. <laughs> these companies haven't changed anything it's kind of cool but yeah time capsule I agree malls and grocery stores those are probably my favorite which there's there needs to be more film set in grocery stores it's bullshit
1: mm. yeah how about you Jeremy well
2: I was going to say JP's asshole because that's pretty horrific but oh mm,
0: they're nasty starfish Ugh. yeah
2: it's a pretty horrific setting as it is but come on everyone knows insane asylums all the way yeah. That's oh, a good Jeremy,
0: trick. you're so predictable. But no, those are awesome too. Really good.
1: Yeah. Uh, me personally, I, I don't really have like a specific go-to. I guess it would be isolation. Like anything like the thing, winter settings are good for me. Uh, just somewhere that is isolated. I always think that those work. Apartment buildings is another one I know Moods likes. I enjoyed those ones as well. And then like I always think of phantasm like mausoleum scenes.
0: Those are really yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Um, another like another thing I really do like is when shit is set in high risers Yeah, I don't know what it is about like high like big big fucking buildings, man. That's why I like Poltergeist three more than Part two. Like, I, it's not I do like Part two, but I think I, I prefer Part three because the setting and it's just it works a lot better for me. But yeah, those high risers cool shit, man. Cool shit. Plus, Poltergeist three is set in Chicago, you know. Yeah, I like
2: Children of the Corn three.
0: <laughs> I think this one's actually. It might even be actually shot in Chicago. It is but shot in Chicago. Yeah, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I'm surprised no one said carnival. Yeah, that's you another know. big one, though. I mean, yeah, and that, and in my opinion, it's a majorly underused setting. You know, they do make carnival horror films. They just don't make as many as you think they would. Yeah, that's true. You know, it is. You know, it's strange, isn't it? So yeah.
1: Alright, moving on to the last voicemail. It is from Luis, I believe. Luis.
4: Hey guys, this is Luis Soto from SoCal from the Facebook group. Way off. Thank you for welcoming me into your group with open arms this year. I've learned a lot in the span of a year and i am. hope you guys are doing well. Congratulations to you and your wife moods on your adoption. Thank you. Jeremy on your final weeks at school. Yeah. JP, keep grinding. My question is this. If you had the tools to create your own custom artworks for your booze? would you do it? And if so, what would, it, what would be the first one you'd do? For example, would you include the original poster art, VHS cover, or make your own? Thanks. Love the show, and thank you for your time.
1: All right, so the first thing i got to say is I found it hilarious how he's like, You know, Jeremy, congratulations on this. Moods, congratulations on this. JP, you ain't got nothing going on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, this is an interesting question. I, I, you know, I never really thought about it before. You know, if I had the tools to create my own artwork for, you know, Blu-rays and stuff, would I do it? Um, Yeah, the answer is yes course i would I, I think it'd be kind of fun to screw around i mean i wouldn't be trying to utilize it to
3: yeah.
0: you know to sell and bootleg and things like that but if you're just creating it for yourself yeah of course i think it'd be fun to do um now i i think he was asking like which film would you do too like would you use
1: yeah like what would you do
0: you know the first thing came to my mind was you know something that you know really doesn't even have a release it'd be for myself though but uh um i would like to create you know like a it'd be cool. Um, the Freddie's nightmare. Series. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, and use and, and probably use like the original, I mean, for that, I guess I'd probably maybe create something myself. Cause I don't know if there is any official artwork for it. I'm not even hundred percent sure. There was a VHS release
1: with a couple episodes.
0: Yeah. It's, but those VHS covers weren't the greatest. So, so for this instance, yeah, I would probably just create my own, my own type of art, but that would be the product that I would do would be Freddy's nightmares because, uh, well be fucking cool to have <laughs> yeah be cool to have so but yeah uh, but the, the answer is yes i would totally do this i think i think it'd be super cool i mean i can't even make a thumbnail properly so this would be a stretch for me i would have to really sit down and i do i do thumbnails like you know to the best of my ability they work for me <laughs> but jp's much much better at this time.
1: Uh, i'm getting better i'm still not good and uh, yeah, I, I'm going to answer this one from kind of a different stance. And that is if I was like part of a company, like let's say Scream Factory, I like their model. I like the uh, newly designed artwork with the original theatrical artwork on the reverse sleeve. So I would go with that model. So I would incorporate the original. And the film that I would choose would obviously have to be one that is either out of print or hard to get. Freddy's Nightmares was a great pick, man. Yeah, by the way. Kind of- uh, tells from the Hood. I just think there would be a awesome cover. I obviously would not design it myself because I am a terrible artist. Uh, <laughs> but I would get somebody who is a good artist and have them do it, and then I would just pick which one I like the best. Uh, reversible cover would be that classic, you know, skull with the gold tooth and the glasses. And uh, yeah, I, oh, man, getting get, getting my saliva going just thinking about it. <laughs> that would be so awesome. What about it's you, saliva, Jeremy?
2: Uh, yeah, of course I would do it. Um, it, like you said, it would have to be for out of print films or films that have shitty artwork.
1: But, yeah, I think it would be fun. Oh, that's it? Yeah. You, nope, you wouldn't have one in mind? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that is the voicemails.
0: Yeah, alrighty, so uh, yeah, concluding the voicemails um, moving along into uh, a little segment we call Knowledge Uh, JP, do we have a, a topic for this week's Knowledge
1: Yeah, so I was gonna originally pick the topic of Masters of Horror after hearing Dave's voicemail like what would a master of horror what is the qualifications of becoming a master's master of horror would you need a couple 10 out of 10 films would you need uh, a handful of eights but i just said we'll save that one for another conversation maybe when we do masters of horror season two or something like that Uh, i found this thing online it is i believe a thing created by imdb it's sort of this little picture thing it looks kind of cool it is movie monsters that rolled the big screen by decade and I thought this was just something really brief that we could kind of talk about. Uh, starting in the 1910s, uh, the top three types of films subgenres that were coming out were eight percent of them were ghosts, three percent were demons, and three percent were vampires. So in ni- the 1910s, ghosts were kind of the big thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Huh. So I 19- can
2: see that because it was easy. It's all shadows
1: lighting. I can
0: see yeah, that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it was probably the easiest effects to do, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So then into the 1920s, what do you guys think was most popular in the 1920s? Vampires? No. Close, but no cigar. No. Uh supernatural again yeah so ghosts again supernatural ghosts uh vampires were at eight percent which was in second place ghosts are at eleven percent and actually this is one that i thought jeremy might have guessed and that is witches at four percent coming in third place it did seem like there were a few witch films back then uh so going into the 1930s uh it could should come as no surprise that it's still uh dominated by ghosts at eight percent creatures at seven percent and vampires at uh, six percent then moving into the 1940s and it is also ghosts but this time at 15 percent which is uh you know higher than the previous years so ghosts are really kicking ass in the first you know 40 years of film uh vampires coming in at seven percent and zombies at seven percent in the 1940s Uh, Then we move to the 1950s. Anybody care to take a guess? This is the first time it breaks away from the ghost era.
0: I'd say in the 50s, man, it's more like kind of sci fi -fi. creature. Yeah, creatures. Yins would be correct. At 19%,
1: it is creatures. So uh, do you think things like Creature from the Black Lagoon, all those uh, 50s, yeah, 50s sci fi. Inva- creature invader films and you know invaders, aliens at fourteen percent was uh, in second place, and vampires at eleven percent. So nineteen fifties had a lot of that, uh, you know, mm. nuclear giant creature, space invader type shit, which uh, I think we all kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in the nineteen sixties, what do you guys think?
0: That's interesting. Um,
1: Serial killers?
0: Nope. I. I don't know, man. I would probably go with...
2: I guess serial killers. Oof,
0: man. Maybe Vamp... No. I
2: don't
0: know. You were right. It was Vampires. It is Vamp... Okay, I was trying to think. I was like, there is a lot of vampire films, but... Yeah. Interesting. So
1: the 60s had
0: Vampires, Ghosts,
1: and Witches in the top three. Vampires were 14% of all horror films made. Witches. Hmm. Uh, Then 1970s, which I'm surprised at as well. Also, I would probably say that they use a very specific group of subgenres maybe only i think there's only like six or seven that are listed in this entire thing so it really is your your standard like vampires ghosts werewolves demons stuff like that it's it's very you know specific yeah and uh, the 1970s has vampires with 12 percent. so vampires is really dominating the 60s and 70s uh, ghosts coming in at nine percent. Ghosts are pretty much a mainstay in every I one be that my be listed, except for the fifties. Ghosts. Did I was going to pick. There.
0: I was going to pick ghosts so, for the seventies.
1: Yes. Uh, so the yeah, that, that's <clears throat> surprising to me. Okay, nineteen eighties. What Slashers. do you guys- Slashers. Slashers, that is a hundred percent correct. 21 percent of all horror films made in the 1980s <laughs> were slashers which is the highest incredible. percent on this entire list yeah uh which is just crazy i mean it really was the boom of the slashers and think in the about 80s. it man in
0: 1981 every single weekend in that year <laughs> had a different slasher film premiering in the at the at the cinema sometimes more than one well, yeah, and it, it, well, I should rephrase. At least one slasher film was premiering every weekend in 1981. Yeah, that is in fucking incredible. Yeah. Could you imagine living in those days? And like, I'd be at the cinema every. Yeah, but
2: don't you think you get fucking tired of it?
0: Fuck no! Oh, no. <laughs> so amazing! Could you imagine like Friday night you go and you go see fucking The Burning, then you go see you know something else? It'd just be so cool, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Slashers was at 21%, Ghosts was
1: at 12%, and Zombies was at 11%. Then we moved to the 1990s. What do you guys think?
0: Uh, wow. Um, Obviously Slasher. in the later 90s it was Slashers. Um, wow. I don't know. I would probably say Slashers, yeah.
1: Uh no, slashers was in third place at eight percent. Ghost was at nine percent, and vampires was at ten percent. So vampires, vampires still dominating. I guess you think of stuff like uh, from Dust till dawn. I don't know that John Carpenter's vampires. The, there was a few, I think, right. Uh, I would be curious to see a list of That's titles, weird. though. So, you know, I'm, I'm, these statistics. Some of them seem a little off to me, but I, I you know yeah. it is IMDb, so I, I guess they would know more than me. Uh, then in the 2000s, we have. What do you guys think are, are the top? The, I think this one's quite obvious. Zombies? No. ghostlies Yes. Ghosts at 17%, which is one of the highest. <laughs> if you think about all those Japanese ghost films being remade in the U.S. and stuff like that, there was yeah, a yeah. lot in the in the yeah. 2000s. Uh, Zombies <laughs> was at 10%, and slashes was at 7%. So slashes were still going strong as well. Uh, and then we go to the 2010s, which is zombies. the last decade that happened. And you are correct; it is zombies. Uh, zombies is really kind of overtaken, and still even into the uh, you know the first five years. But that is kind of what I wanted to leave it off on, guys. So we are now just about halfway through this decade, right? 2015 January will be 2016. What is the story of? from 2011 to 2015
0: zombies slashers and uh well horror comedies (laughs) yeah
1: comedies
0: comedies, and zombies and
1: sometimes zombies i think (laughs) i think that's still what's dominating um it it is interesting looking at it in terms of uh you know vampires are, are are a lot on this list and go like ghosts are, are just your classic horror tale. It, it really did like kind of just dominate every decade that almost every decade. I think ghosts is featured in the top three except yeah. for the 1950s. The 1950s is the only decade in which ghosts weren't. And that's because the world was like worried about real life fucking horror. <laughs>
0: like that was the atomic age, man. Yeah. Sci-fi and nuclear. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but
1: yeah, so definitely, uh, I'm I'm not very optimistic about the next five years, uh, which I I wish I was, but yeah, I really want to see a return of the hardcore horror film, and it just does not seem to be going that way.
0: I know, uh, like we've we've, you know, commented on this a few times recently about uh, you know this year with the horror comedies and stuff, but man, it, it really is insane <laughs> like how many are coming out. Like it just. To me, it just seems like, you know, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they make horror comedies because you can't, you know, some of these directors, they just can't make a serious horror film. I mean, you know, that might be true. I mean, who knows? But the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, I think we're starting to really miss those hardcore films, those real bona fide horror films. Yeah. You know, I mean it's I don't mind watching horror comedies. There's been some really good ones, like I said, Suburban Gothic and most recently Bloody Knuckles, which was fantastic. (laughs)
1: Bloody Knuckles is
0: fucking awesome. We need another
1: American tragedy. Like we need something bad to happen in order to get these dark horror films. I know
0: we talked about this. Isn't that so sad that like we we have to rely on, you know, a really, really horrific event. we need a depressing
1: world to create these violent dark horror movies. It it happens every
0: time apparently it's too happy right yeah, now apparently so never, the world is too naked, happy <laughs> funny films <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like fuck man uh, you know I don't have a problem with laughing I mean I do it a lot but you know there there does become a time when I'm like wow like I just want to watch something so fucking downbeat and just brutal and
1: mm-hmm.
0: like the know, early
1: it, 2000s was very big on that mm-hmm. post 9-11 and stuff
0: yeah I mean <laughs> makes a lot of sense though but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, okay, where was Vampires again in the 2000s? Uh,
1: nowhere in the 2000s. Okay, that's right. It was in and the that's 90s. the thing, like,
0: because I always, you know, when I talk about Vampires in the last, like, 15 years, there hasn't really been a lot of Vampire films. I mean, there, there's a fair amount of them,
3: mm-hmm. but there hasn't
0: been, like, a lot of good ones. The vampires has really, really dropped off. Like, people just don't make Vampire films anymore. But uh, there, there is some good ones, though. There's some yeah. good ones. So maybe, maybe we'll see like a, you know, a re up of vampire films in the next five years, considering, you know, that they have dropped off so much. Maybe it'll kind of revert to that a little bit. It seems like ghosts are just always around. Yeah, they are. I find slasher films all are around always,
1: the last hundred years, except for yeah. in the 50s.
0: I mean, I, I find that slasher films are still always hanging around. People always yeah. make slasher films, but yeah. I think, I think vampires might come back because let's face it, zombies can't continue this type of you know hold that they have or can they i don't know people are getting burnt out man <laughs>
1: yeah i think <laughs> they i think they they're, they're dying down i i think that if there was if they would have like opened this list a little bit i do think that the early 2000s might have had more of like the uh real life horror type films going on you know like serial killers and, and stuff like that i just don't know if they Used that type of subgenre when compiling this list, or if it was just very basic like slashers.
0: Yeah, I mean one subgenre will never see like a major major uprise is probably werewolf films. I don't know <laughs> some yeah. werewolf films. They just they seem to get made here and there throughout, well the last hundred years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's never really been a big like holy fuck like here's. I mean you know last year there was I think three Great faces. Four. There yeah there was some, but you know, when you think about it. You know, that was like the big, you know, uprising of werewolf. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. There was like 400 zombie films, <laughs> you know, compared to like four werewolf films. Yeah. It's pretty wild to me. And I love werewolf films
1: too. It They just don't make it's them. It's hard to make too, though, if you think about it. You know, you really have to have like
0: a good looking werewolf, which is pretty mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, that is definitely true. So
1: yeah, when zombie films, it seems like anybody with a thousand dollar budget can make a zombie film. It seems to just dominate the indie world because every indie director is like, I think I'm going to make a zombie film for my first feature. So they make money. They do make money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, hmm. I it, it, Like, again, though, I mean, the 2000 to 2010 era was definitely probably dominated by remakes the most. But again, that's not really a subgenre. Uh, I would like to see a more in-depth look at, at these type of lists. Like, just something that, it, that has a little bit more of everything and not just you know ghosts zombies slashes vampires yeah you know I
0: mean? i'm really surprised that there was nowhere in that conversation that found footage never got mentioned see but
1: are they including found footage that's <laughs> what i'm wondering right like is that or, or is it very just your standard subgenres where it's zombies like monster It it is called the monster that ruled the big screen so it might just be the
0: type yeah. of uh, I mean, let's be let's be honest here. The last ten years, you know, there's been a fuck ton of found footage films, and they still come out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know,
0: I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, it's way more than you know, fucking vampires. If, and, if uh, you go back to the 19, like those big subgenres. Yeah,
1: how many anth or how many fan found footage films did exist? You know, maybe twenty, maybe. And now yeah. it's like there's one that comes out every week. Two trillion. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it, it really. <laughs> it's an overpowering subgenre. Yeah. It really is. So, yeah, um, was that it guys? That is it. All right, that was an interesting knowledge. I mean, that really was knowledge. You were breaking <laughs> out stats and numbers there. <laughs> so that's, that's actually funny. really interesting. Uh that was fun. That was cool. Um okay, so getting into the morbid fact courtesy of Room Morg, uh the Corners Report of Weird Stats and Morbid Facts. Uh this one is coming from the brand new issue 161 November 2015, Um, I just got this the other day. Actually, I got this the day that we recorded the last show. (laughs) So and I just kind of looked through here as I was taking my poop earlier. You know, that's what I was finding my morbid fact. Um, And I decided to go with the very first one on the list because I thought that JP would love this. It's very simple. Um, Itchy the Killer and audition director Take- <laughs> Takashi Mike cites Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre as his favorite horror film. I actually that found that quite awesome. interesting.
1: That is, yeah, because the- he doesn't make films that are anything like that.
0: Exactly my point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. So,
1: yeah, that is cool. It's a lot of people's favorite. It is. It really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not a bad film. I give it. <laughs> You know, six. <laughs> uh,
1: if that happened, me and Zach would literally stab you in the face.
0: No, it's literally in my top 30 favorite films of all time. So, yeah,
1: it's literally <laughs> one of the best horror films.
0: Ever yeah, and I don't agree. And I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. So, yeah. But yeah, and that is going to conclude mood swings for this week. Now, yeah. moving into what we're all here for. And that is the first part of the Italian month or Italian stallion month, as some might call it. Uh, Like we said in the top of the show, we are going to be focusing on Dario Argento's animal trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Very very exciting. It's exciting, isn't it? (laughs) All right. So first film up here from 1970 is the, I was going to say the girl, the bird with the crystal plumage.
3: Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, so the bird with the crystal plumage, you know, I remember
1: a while back, Jeremy had reviewed this film on the podcast and I was like, what the hell is a plumage and what the hell does that mean? Uh, you know, and you guys explained to me what plumage was. Jeremy talked about that film in episode 17. So, you know, many episodes later, we're going to talk about it more in depth. Holy
0: fuck was it that long ago it was wow that was i it, i had no idea
1: Tessa was that longer now yes. that i think about it that I was had the no classic idea. beneath episode
0: really man i had no idea was that i didn't it, wow cool again with the knowledge yes knowledge <laughs> awesome you're fucking stuff. on a
2: roll you knowledge bastard yes
0: <laughs> awesome stuff um but yeah the uh The bird with the crystal plumage. Now, Giallo's have been around for, you know, roughly about 10 years, I think, at this point. And this is Dario Gentile's very first film that he ever made. So, and this is his entry into the Giallo uh, subgenre of horror films. Um,
1: What is a Giallo?
0: A Giallo. It's just a murder. It's the Italian word for, well, yellow. yellow. I think translated over here, it means yellow. But their translation, it's just like a murder mystery.
1: Yeah, so, so that's that's yeah. essentially what it is. Uh, I think over time they've kind of, they incorporated like slasher elements to them and, uh, you know, they're barely on the line of horror at some sometimes as well.
2: Uh, I don't think they're really
1: horror that much. It depends, more, it depends. I think the more drama, drama you're cronies. watching I guess, right? Yeah, of I these mean, three, I don't
0: it has horror same. elements. I mean, you look at giallos and you know, if you look at you know what slashers are based on, they're really based on you know a lot of that uh you know p o v killer and you know the stabbings you know a lot of some of these films play out like they're slashers, right,
2: but this is before slashers so
0: yeah, these are exactly. like
2: prototype
1: slashers
0: that's what I'm saying, so that's the whole element of these I mean, say you know slashers kind of took these ideas Uh-huh. you know that p o v and the and the the stock and slash and and you know these were just like a whole subgenre of like prototypes,
1: yeah, and
0: um, they i- ri- originally
1: i believe the the giallo itself, the yellow. Uh, was from if i think i read this but it was from uh like murder mystery like magazines and the covers were always yellow Mm -hmm. uh so i think that before film they were kind of these uh mystery tales of uh uh, magazines or or books or whatever
0: Mm mm-hmm cool um but uh yeah, the uh, the premise of uh, the bird with the crystal plumage. I'll just <laughs> read the the one liner here. Uh, it says a writer is stalked by a serial killer after witnessing a murder attempt on one woman's life. Um, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, that's that's pretty much what it is. Uh, it follows our main character Sam, Sam, who is American. ultimately. As American, well, they're all is
2: American.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he's over in Rome uh, as a he's an American writer. He's in Rome uh, working, doing his thing, and he's you know going to be leaving Rome in a couple days. He's walking the streets uh, back to his place where he stays to go chill with his girlfriend, and he oh, looks into a building and her. he witnesses uh, what he believes to be a murder in progress. Um, Correct. There's a killer there with a knife, and he goes to stop it. But he ultimately gets stuck in between these doors, and he can't reach the the scene that's happening, and he can't get out either. So he's trapped in there. The scene plays out. They disappear. They find him in there. He ultimately tells the police what he's seen. And the police investigation starts, and he figures that, you know, he's not really enjoying how this is going too much. Also, he doesn't really have a choice now. He can't even leave the country because... Um, the the main detective actually takes his passport from him, so which kind of forces him to stay there because he's like the key witness. Yeah. And you know he feels like the police aren't doing the greatest job, so he takes it upon himself to start investigating to what fucking happened in that um, in that art gallery. And yes. that's basically the overall premise of the film. Now, our thoughts. Well, the, I think the first thing that I would like to note is the very opening
1: shot i really that kind of really just set the mood for me and it really just set the future of the film uh because it's it's very well lit it's a shot like a top-down view of a person at a desk and they're surrounded in blackness and Mm. i'm a sucker for shit like that so right away i was like all right i'm down
0: let's see what happens Mm -hmm. Mm. it does uh Dario Gento, you know, even in that opening scene, that is kind of he kind of sets the stage for a lot of his films. With yeah, that, his one mise en
2: scène is just like,
0: yeah, man, perfect, that right is there. such a yeah. what is
2: that, Jeremy? Scope. Mise en scène is anything that's in the frame that's not the actor. So cinematography, okay. props, lighting, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, like just those the way he Costumes. shot that. He does that a lot. You know, like, he uses a lot of overhead shots. You probably noticed in. Um, Even Four Flies on Grey Velvet, There's, I think one of the beginning scenes in that film is like this really great overhead shot at nighttime. Yeah. Like he loves to use those type of shots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this one just has a lot of his type of staple things right away. You know, close up of, um, you know, the note and, you know, eye shots and things like that, that Argento is really known for. I mean, it, the, the, you know, the the focusing on eyes is like a very 70s thing in general. Mm-hmm. But Argento does it kind of cool, though. And he does it, you know, throughout all three of these films is very prevalent. Yeah.
1: So after that, right away, there's another uh, scene that I really like, and that is uh, a freeze frame like picture taking scene. I I love freeze frame. I I love when it's incorporated into intros. Uh, Mm -hmm. Moods, I know you do sometimes not like in uh, certain films, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Certain films, not the biggest fan.
1: (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it works well in this one because it is like the frame of a picture, like the photo snap, Mm -hmm. uh, which you know is is very voyeuristic for one yeah. which i'm also yeah. a big fan of very prevalent of the 70s i love the voyeurism thing oh, man, that, that is going especially on. Pro-
2: especially prominent in the next movie yeah like yeah. way more prominent but you know
0: read yeah. off the hop of this film too like he incorporates you know there's a there's a lot of really um interesting nods to the original giallos, you know the Bava giallos and uh um you know with the uses of red right away in his films, and that's what Bava was known for um you know once we get to those films and you guys you know get to see that but uh I thought that was interesting that's something that i would that I would pick up on yeah but you see you like
2: know? you see like blues here and a whole bunch of other
0: yeah but bright just colors of that, red i mean yeah, like in, yeah. you know um blood and black Lives, like th- th- like every scene in the film has red in it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's kind of it's done purposely like that. And right off the hop, like you see, like the red of the cloth and stuff. And it's just kind of a it's kind of a, you know, a shout out to those films right there. Like This is what I'm doing. I'm making a I'm making this type of film. And I love that. You know, he's just putting those staples right into his film. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, right away, the, the one thing that I wanted to bring up and I, you can kind of bring it up in any of these three films. Uh, but it is for one in this one, the art gallery. And what I want to say about that is while watching my, these films – film,
2: My favorite scene in the, throughout the three.
1: Yes. And w- one of the things that I wanted – it doesn't have necessarily to do with the film itself, but it's just the way things have changed. I always feel that older films and the films of the 70s and 80s, when they looked for locations, they actually put – like mad effort into it they wanted they found that like this this art gallery is fucking beautiful dude the way that the glass windows are and just mm-hmm. that like enclosure that's in there and you just i just feel that nobody really does that anymore Have
2: they you read really that piece take that I wrote. The,
1: no i'll
2: well, read it i think you're I, I, I read it I a talk, long time i, I talk read about that time. scene a lot like
0: i read it a long time ago i haven't i don't remember it but
2: yeah like that scene like Filmmakers. A lot of the context that goes on later into the film is connected to that art gallery scene. Like I, if you guys don't know, I studied this film quite heavenly like three semesters ago. I wrote a long paper on on this movie. It's on the podcast website if you want to read it. But uh, oh, that scene is so amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to kiss his ass, you know. I'm not. As we get on to the other films, I don't think it, they're as strong as this movie, but that scene is just really.
0: Okay, it well, is, let's let's get get into it then. He really did. He really did put a lot of uh, thought in. Like, the thought process in the scene was incredible, actually. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed, I mean, we probably all noticed different things, but I, I love the amount of different angles that he uses in this mm-hmm. because the way he shoots the scene and the way it's edited from all those different types of angles is like and incorporating Sam's ability not to stop it he just creates this total hopeless tragedy. That's this
2: masculinity stripped away.
0: Yeah, exactly. He creates this, yeah, this hopeless now, tragedy. Now, what do you mean like that? It's I almost, like a, stick, like, it's almost like... like a play. See, I'm not 100%. See, we will get into the stripping of the masculinity thing because I do have issues with that. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But well, at the same fact, he doesn't know um, what I don't what know. know. See, he doesn't know what we it, know. Later. Exactly. And that, that's what I have a problem with that. But I think that whole scene to me and the way I see it is it plays out like a hopeless tragedy because he's stuck and it. It's so beautifully shot that it, it kind of plays out like a like a play.
1: Yeah, you know, but that's, it, it's
0: just so I love the hopeless feeling. And when you're watching, you're going, fuck.
1: That, that's what I meant about the locations, though. Like this is a very special location. Like this is like it's not your average anything. Right. You don't see things that look like this from the glass enclosure to the just the style of the art gallery inside and that is lost with today's filmmaking especially on you know uh, the more uh non-theatrical releases and even the theatrical releases they, they, they just don't find these grand places anymore and uh there's a lot of them in this film in general and in a lot of them in the other films in general. But back to the art gallery scene at, at hand. Because Jeremy has – I have heard him say that the masculinity stripped away that whole article that he wrote. And I never quite got what he meant. I didn't read it obviously because I didn't see the film at that time. But what exactly are you meaning? Because I, ha- I have issues with it as well. I don't really see it this way. Mm.
0: Yeah, I don't either actually. But Jeremy, explain that's, yourself. But that's the
1: wonderful
2: thing about film analysis though. Yeah. It's like – so Sam – he is a strong character. Uh, he follows typical male traits that he's always in control of a situation. Women um, are – you know, looked at as weak and then – I I understand the point where you're getting at that he doesn't know it's well, – I don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, don't spoil
0: it.
1: Fucked and this is going to be really hard. I know
0: th- I know. that's what I said. Even talking about this masculinity strip thing is, is hard.
1: But, but, yeah. but I, I don't really want to know – uh what like that specifically. I want to know what traits do you see later on that reflects
0: somebody. becomes
2: extremely a... a weak character.
0: Does he? See, I, I don't yeah. see I, that at all. You see Jeremy, I completely think it um I I completely see this differently because the reason why I think Sam is a is a really strong character the entire film is because I mean I understand that he's put into a really tough situation. You know, he's he's forced by the police to stay you know, at first he doesn't want to like he if he had the choice and he still had his passport, he would have went back to New York. But in this case, he doesn't. And they take his passport from him. now. He's forced. But he takes it upon himself. He's like, well, since I'm here, he could just mope around and, you know, fuck his girlfriend and do whatever. But he doesn't. He but he, takes we, never,
2: his, we never really see him fucking his girlfriend, though. Well, no, no, no. I'm just the saying rest he, of the film.
0: But I'm just saying he could. He could. He yeah. Could just yeah. But he could. But But he doesn't. He takes it upon himself because he sees that the police are maybe not doing the.
2: He couldn't stop what was going on in front of him. And he, I think him as a writer, he always feels like he's in control because he's always in control of his destiny because he writes. uh, He he makes his living through what he comes up with. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. fact that he's stuck and he can't help this woman who's getting killed, he's not used to not being in control of situations. And then when he's not in control of a situation, he looks weak
1: and
0: I, I think he but, looks – But, but OK. There's a difference but, between okay, what,
1: looking weak and and
0: having your masculinity. That's a different – that's two okay, different but, things. Mm. OK. See, where I was getting at with this is that he's put in this position. Like I said, he could lay back and do nothing. You know, Of course, he is a strong person. But he uses that strong trait that he has and he decides to completely look into this investigation and do things himself. And I think by doing that, it keeps him strong. And I don't really think it plays out any part in the film that you know it makes him look weak because he keeps he keeps the progression going. He never backs out. He wants to find out what the fuck because he wants. Okay. You know, he really does want to solve this. And he I don't think, you know, I mean, if there was ever a moment where he tried to bust out and go, "Okay, I'm just going to fucking sneak back to New York. Fuck this." That would probably break and, you know, you know, kind of disprove my theory. But I think that he's strong. But, but see, and, and I think goes, there's a difference strong between different.
1: strong and weak and masculine. There's there masculinity is something different. It has does not mean anything to do with how you react to situations. If he would have left, that has nothing to do with his masculinity in the first place. That just has mm-hmm to do with so what do you, what does
2: what does have masculinity have to do with anything then
1: what do you think i don't has... think it has anything to do with anything I'm not,
2: not this with this film. film just in general what do you think it has to do yeah as for the masculinity it, it, it I'm has just to saying, do with i'm being just a man. i'm just
0: arguing the fact i'm just okay, arguing the fact and... that he's not a that he is a strong character
1: like okay you bring up the girlfriend thing about how he he didn't um you know sleep with his girlfriend or whatever to me if his girlfriend wanted to sleep with him and he said no that is the ma- that's being the man that is that is taking control of the situation she wants him to stay he says no she throws a glass at him like to me that's that's that that's traits of like masculine masculinity
0: because he want because he wants to find out he's being a strong person he's like hey i don't have time for this foreplay i need to figure out what the fuck is going on and that shows that sam is a strong-willed person like i said he could sit there and have sex with his girlfriend and do whatever he wanted chill have tea have crumpets fucking play some playstation which would not happen in 1970 but you know what i'm saying he could sit back and just kind of play down to the situation he doesn't he move, he progresses he moves forward he tries to figure out what happens and he does investigations because that's what he does he's a strong person yeah, I, I don't think his masculinity that, is stripped to the point where he's like, OK, I'm fucking stripped naked. <laughs> now, you know, I just I'm just going to make your Figuratively, figurative. I know. No, no, I know. But I'm using it as literal. Yeah. You okay. know, and, and like, you know, because of the sex scene. And I completely understand where you're coming from, Jeremy. But I just I just just disagree.
1: OK, yeah. And the so. thing about, yes, being strong and, you know, strong-willed and stuff and all that stuff does have to do with masculinity but it's not the core definition of it at least i i wouldn't think so based on what yeah, i think of the yeah. word but jeremy i want to know specifics like what what do you see that led you to that conclusion what do i see examples you have to... of of what the what actual examples of the masculinity no longer being with him
2: okay beginning of the film he's strong-willed He, he you know, he's writing all this kind of stuff. He's walking down the street. You have to pause it frame by frame. I have pictures I could send to you that. But you have to look at the things that are inside of the art gallery and the way that Monica is placed and the killer's placed and and the fact that he's trapped and he can't do anything. Like I just said, it's all about him always having the fact of being in control and now he's not. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's a visual thing. I'll have to send you visuals, but a lot of the pieces in the art gallery are are phallic-shaped and um, uh, strong women, Monica, in certain positions in the frame where she's over this phallic symbol. In I mean lines. the
0: obvious phallic symbol is the knife.
2: Well, the knife, but like pieces of the art gallery, like there's yeah. a guy holding a world and there's uh, a whole bunch of other things. Okay. What,
1: what about after that scene, though? I'm saying, as we follow the character uh, going forward, as he does his investigation, what indicate what signs are there that he no longer has his masculinity with him? I don't know.
2: I just think I think he just feels a weaker character than he did in the beginning of the film
1: but is it Mm. in the sense that anybody who goes through a situation would be somewhat weaker or is it that this character no longer is masculine so he is weaker because to me it just feels like the first one like like yeah he's and and really he doesn't feel very weaker to me at all but i'm saying if he is it it feels more like it's just the sense that uh you know he has been through something traumatic Mm mm-hmm because uh-huh. it's bu- bugging him, right? He's having he's having memories of it. He's, so, he's that's trying why to figure I, that's out That's why I think he's just so
0: strong, man. <clears throat> exactly.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that. It, film theory is that, right? It is it is mm-hmm. theory, which is fun as hell. Because if you can make connections and connect the dots and and pull something out of it, there's no right or wrong answer. But like you see
0: this. Course. You see this. No, in, there really isn't.
1: You really that's see this point. in
2: in all his films. Some sort of. That's what I love about Argento. I don't
1: I wouldn't say all his films though, because both me and you have a very small palette of Argento's films.
2: Yeah, but a lot of the films that I've read about and I've studied, you know, all have some sort of Argento makes some really interesting comments about sexuality and and gender roles, and I know me and Mooch were talking about this last night, that people always seem Argento as a woman killer. He likes to kill beautiful women. I'm not denying that, you know, he does that, but all horror movies do that, but the, the the fact that he makes
1: really pro feminist choices in his films that Do you, he always has I, I, some I don't kind of I don't woman buy that. I think why not yeah I I think it's I think people that say that Argento is sees women as lesser might actually be closer than the people that say that he does these pro feminist things and you know honestly the key thing that I go back to is his daughter Ad, Aja. Right, I mean, there, there, there have been people have always said like, well, it's a different culture that he, you know, puts his daughter nude in his films. No, no, those fucking Italian people, the people that are from Italy, think that it's weird too. It's just we, we use that as kind of an. I'm excuse.
2: not talking about his. I'm just talking about what we see on the fil- in the films. And he mm. always has women, strong women in his films. Even though beautiful women get killed, he always has this. This. Have, this. Think about it. Think about these three films.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Almost all of them have strong women in them. I don't see them as strong. I honestly why? Wow. How do you not see? Because because they're they're lesser. There's something wrong with them. Yeah, they're I don't know about strong, how many strong women are. Ha- they're not strong. Really... They're shining it. For one, they're shining in a negative light, and they're shining in a lesser light. Lesser is in something is wrong with them.
2: Okay, how is there anything <clears throat> wrong with guys in movies that are crazy? what? What happened if it was a guy that was crazy? How's that any I just think that the fact that he has women being the protagonist, the antagonist is something that we don't that wasn't
1: really seen. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. that, But I don't think that it's it's like pro feminism choices. I think that hmm. I I don't at all.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing is these three films are a lot different than what. We a lot. Most people know Argento as you know, starting with Suspiria and things like that. We see
2: this too, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, but you know, like I think a lot of people, you know, those things about Argento uh, with killing women and stuff. Yeah, yeah, beautiful women are killed in films all the time. I think it's more of how he kills them. He really, you know, in a lot of slasher films and stuff, you see a beautiful woman. She just gets her head lobbed off or whatever. It's just it's it's pretty instant. With Argento, he likes to play it out, like Suspiria. You know, the scene of Suspiria where basically the girl's getting fucked up bad and then ends up getting hung and blah, blah, blah. It's like a really crazy scene. He likes to, like, really put a lot of effort into almost torturing and killing, but in a, in a beautiful way. I think that's where people are coming yeah, from.
1: Yeah, but it, honestly, it's like, I, I don't on. have an issue with that at all either because I think that it does look better. It, it does look, mm. uh, you know, well, it's, it's a from style. a male point of view, obviously, but, I mean, it
0: it it is it is more dramatic, then exactly. if it was a and guy, that, that, that's Argento's. Yeah, that's Argento's style. That's yeah. what he does. It's and it's really look, the style look, of horror. Opera. It, exactly, and he just likes to exploit his style in, in, to the best of his abilities. He doesn't like to just okay, here I'm just going to stab you. in In these other films, you know, in these films he does a little bit, but that's the type of film they are. But in some of the other ones, yeah, he likes to really kind of take it for uh, a little, you know, a step further. And you know, it is what it is. So. I think it's just a style, man. Mm-hmm. So, but so, uh, yeah, no, very, in, very, very interesting how we see this so differently. But Jeremy, you're not wrong at all. Yeah, Absolutely. you ha- you don't have a lot of action. interesting. It, it's
1: to honestly, be honest, it's cool that you can pull on, that type of stuff.
0: Your take on it is super, super interesting. And, and this is one. It's definitely is. of. note, and, and it's, it's a cool whole
2: bunch sure. of thing you have to think about. Oh, I don't want to get into and things and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. it's just a whole bunch of this. I, I really think interesting things. It's it's hard to talk about without giving spoilers. Well, the
0: Freudian thing is interesting because he keeps having like in this one, it's more flashbacks. Yeah, you know, I think the Freudian uh, theories and stuff can really play into Four Flies on Grey yeah, Velvet too, because he's literally having dreams that yeah, are can't... being progressed throughout the film. But this one, you know, he's I like you know getting to the point of these flashbacks and stuff about the you know the scene in the art gallery. I love the way this film is done, you know, how he keeps kind of seeing things, but he, they keep showing it from different angles. And the it's just reason kinda,
1: that he's seeing them it. also is important, which I think it's not just a flashback. It's him. It's it's what we're it's him showing the audience that that he there's something up like he needs no, that
0: exactly. he's trying to remember things. Exactly. But I like that progression in the film because it just keeps kind of it shows the audience like this is what's going on. But he was really trying to figure this out
1: very quickly, but it shows you
0: different angles. And I love that the different angles of it. And then, ah,
1: very quickly for the audience. though, what, what is Freudian? What, what in a very simple way, what do you, what does that mean?
0: Study of dreams.
1: Yeah.
2: Study of dreams, mother, penis fantasies.
0: It's not just the the study of of dreams. It's actually, you know, Freud was, he, I think he was convinced that he actually knew what dreams meant and things like that's, kind of he was really taken to the next step.
2: OK, there's a whole type of interpreting thing, like he dreams. actually that... is what
0: it was. It was interpreting dreams. So certain things in dreams like getting someone's head lobbed off would have a fucking bona fide meaning. Yeah, and Freud like, was convinced that these certain things that you dreamed were connected to reality. Well, like
2: boys, boys hated their fathers and they wanted they wanted to sleep with their mothers and take their dad's penises and all that. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of really yeah interesting things that I think doesn't really play out in this film, but it, it no like. But like Deep Red, it really plays out, and, well, it and has, even
0: even Four Flies, right? Yeah, yeah. Four Flies is because he's literally having dreams. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, so one thing that I do want to say, guys, is I did have a little bit of a negative early on, Um and I like it's a kind of a pet peeve of mine, and it's it's kind of nitpicky, but it honestly always bugs me in films when they do this. Uh, it's after the gallery scene. Our lead character is walking home, and somebody attacks him with a hatchet. And then he just goes on about his business. And I always hate that because that's one. It's not realistic, right? Nobody's going to mm-hmm. get attacked by yeah. a hatchet and then just be like, "Wow, it's crazy <laughs> out here today," <laughs> you know, and just continue yeah, on. So that like that not is reported or anything. an <laughs> issue for me. Like I hate that. I hate that when I mean, that happens. Yeah. It happened a yeah. lot. It's, fuck! It still happens a lot.
0: Well, you know, you know, the funniest part, the thing about that scene, though, I mean, I mean, the scene is absolutely beautifully shot and stuff. But, yeah, it's a little silly. Um, But my favorite part about that whole thing is when Sam goes back to his place and he tells his girlfriend about it. Yeah. Her reaction to it is so funny. It's just she has no reaction. Yeah. (laughs) She's just like doesn't react to it. It's like so funny. She's so calm about it. She's like, oh, yeah, hatching. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? It's like such a fucking weird scene. Like, wouldn't you be a little more like, holy shit, man? We should probably call the cops.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> you know, honestly. there's one scene in particular that that I'll also use as like, our character is in control. He's he's he knows what he's doing, and he goes to talk to somebody, and he throws a pack of cigarettes at that person to see what Love hand that they catch Much, him catches. Is he in control? Yes, because yeah, uh, he, uh, he, he just, chooses to do that. He chooses to. He he's ahead of this guy. He's in control of the situation. He got one up on this guy by tricking him.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, it was the obvious. You know, it was the obvious attempt to. You know, like let's test the husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know and i i really like that though but the, the the throwing of the cigarette pack is just brilliance man yeah so good yeah
1: and it's nonchalant too like they don't make a big deal out of it which i thought was no. cool. because you can easily miss that like if you're not somebody He's... who's really paying attention to the film it just looks like it like he gave him cigarettes right because
0: <laughs> just previously they had talked about how you know the killer might have been left-handed and things like that and then mm-hmm. yeah, let's test it out let's test it out it's good filmmaking
1: yeah it is it is it's good it's good writing pun intended well. but he just
0: they just argento just kind of throws a little stab did
1: Ar- argento didn't write these did he yeah he did yeah yeah i think okay, he wrote hey, these man. yeah that's interesting yeah he did he wrote this one at least he wrote all three of them okay uh so w- what about the murders
0: like the actual killings yeah
1: i think like
2: once again in this movie you definitely start to see a lot of argento's styles start to show up in this movie particularly the Whoa. scene where we're looking up the staircase and the bird eye view from the top of the staircase looking down I think we see that
0: mm-hmm. a whole
2: bunch in all of his, at least all the movies I've seen we see that a lot
0: yeah I think um, we start
2: to see that right away in this movie especially particularly in that the first murder
0: well this, this whole movie is like a is like a it's just like an Argento I don't know, man, it just has all the staples in there.
1: Mm-hmm. It really
0: does. I mean, the fuck the, all the women in this film are just absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Honestly, I love the way uh, the kill scene goes down with the uh, shit, man. I don't remember what her name is, but uh, the girl that's in bed smoking,
3: mm-hmm.
0: like the way that whole, like, you know, she's smoking and it's kind of like a POV uh, shot. And as the smoke clears, you see the killer and things like that. But is that, you the know, one where, some people,
1: is that the one with the straight razor?
0: yeah it cuts up her cuts up her face and stuff yeah yeah
1: yeah you know what's funny is in this film there's a gunman and he's wearing this bright yellow jacket and in my head i'm like what come on really bright (laughs) yellow jacket like you're you're supposed to be trying to get away and you're wearing a bright yellow jacket and then i was like god damn it i'm an idiot and this film is right because because what happens is he walks into a room filled with people with yellow jackets yeah so i was like wow you know, Because normally I'm going to complain about something like that. But then the movie tricks me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it's smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, one scene that I just – I think it's one of the greatest scenes ever uh, of comedy. And it is when he goes to meet the art gallery – uh, painter the guy yeah. who painted the Fun. art which i love that whole dynamic right that's complex the whole picture uh, how it ties into the ending and everything yeah. about it that's complex i love stuff like that it has me yeah yeah it's really well into the yeah. plot yeah. Uh, it's just it's just that's when you realize this film is more sophisticated than than your average horror film so mm-hmm. uh yeah but there's like this comedy that comes out of nowhere but when we were asked a couple of weeks ago, like what kind of comedy we like, what kind we think works, why does it work? This is the comedy that works best for me, hands down. It mm-hmm. could be perceived as not even funny if you're young or a kid or something or just don't
0: understand. Because it's really it's subtle. Dark, yeah. It's
1: subtle. I loved it. It was great.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think anything that wasn't this subtle for the film would not work because the tone of the film is just too serious, right? Mm-hmm. You, you start throwing you know really kind of bad cheesy jokes in there it just it takes you out of it so you need to have that subtle comedy but that it does really work
1: that character was fucking bad shit <laughs>
0: I love. oh, oh, oh the, the guy the painter with the cats yes <laughs> yeah. you know what yes. you know what actually one of my favorite scenes in this movie is it's such a weird scene uh, it's when Sam goes to visit uh, the dude in the jail Oh uh, yeah. yeah and uh, there, there, there's a fucking moment he's sitting there talking to the guy who I might add kind of looks like Tom Savini from the side Oddly enough, yeah. There's a side shot of him, and I'm just like, "Holy shit, that looks like Tom Savini. That's fucked up." Um, but there's a, <laughs> there's a part in this film where he's talking to him, and uh, the guy says back to Sam, he goes, um, "He's like, do I, do I look like the guy who exploits women?" And I fucking burst it out laughing. Like, I know it's unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's just so fucking ugly. And he totally looks. And I I instantly thought to myself, I'm like, no, but you look like you fucking eat them, though. You <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> loud, right? Because he's got this super, like, fucked up eyes. Really, like, his teeth are literally non-existent in his mouth. He's got, like, yeah. fucked up teeth. And he's just a weird looking, creepy guy. And he's got this porn stash. And he's got everything about him is just creepy as shit. And I just burst it out laughing. I'm like, I forgot how funny that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... See, again, you know, the, the comedy is a little more subtle, but it's just, you know, funny to me. But I like that scene, actually. And, you know, oddly enough, that guy makes an appearance in uh Four Flies. Was it this is, is it the same? He's character the director
1: or the same actor?
0: No, totally. Same actor. OK, he actually makes an appearance in Four, in Four Flies. Just a just a quick little part. Uh-huh. But it's pretty funny, actually. But just to see him again, I was like, oh, that's the guy that. <laughs> <eats people." laughs> So
1: I, I was surprised that the burden with the crystal plumage actually like meant something and and all yeah. four of these all three of these actually do.
0: so that's pretty yeah, cool. yeah. But, um you know another scene in this film that I really enjoy is you know the scene where Sam's walking um they're walking down the street with uh, his girlfriend, um, which I can't remember what the fuck her name is, so bad with names Julia played by Susie Kendall. she's so so beautiful, isn't she? Ugh, love Susie Candle. Um But you know that the, the scene where <laughs> I I found kind of interesting, like she kinda says to Sam, she's like, What's with this guy following us? And he's like, Well, that's our bodyguard. <laughs> I just thought that just the way that went down was kinda interesting. But you know, of course, there's a scene where um he ultimately gets mowed down by this car.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. And um uh, you know, um and this is this is where it kind of disproves you know, I don't want to disprove Jeremy, but where I'm thinking that Sam really is a strong character is that, uh, you know, he he does the obvious thing. He hides Julia and he, pers- you know, the guy's chasing him and then it kind of reverses and he ends up chasing that guy and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, he's really putting in the full effort. He could have just ran, you know, like a fucking pussy bitch and got away from the scene, but he didn't. He turned the he turned the pages and he starts chasing after this guy that jumps out of his car. Um, and, I, you know, and I, I really like the way the whole scene goes down. I think that's really it's well shot, too. It's really, really well shot. It's well lit. You know, it's it's yeah. like that perfect darkness, but it's like really kind of creepy and it's fast paced and kind of cool and stuff like that. Um,
1: I think I really the, like that. I think one of the best shot scenes is when they reveal this bo- a body in a room uh, and, you know, Sam's body is blocking. The reveal and then he steps away and then it's revealed and I think that's like where really your horror moment in the film one of your, one of your big strong horror moments yeah
0: you know one thing about this movie that is always kind of bugged me maybe you guys can shed some light on this um I always thought it was interesting because okay the reason why I brought up that scene is because it was leading me to this point right here um you know in the you know up until that point you know even in that point you know Sam thi- figures that you know there's you know that there's only um one person involved with this
3: uh-huh.
0: right and you know so the the bodyguard gets mowed down by a driver and there's a guy that jumps out of the car right mm-hmm. so there's obviously two guys in that scene cuz the guy in the car ends up taking off and he Sam pursues the guys the guy on foot yeah right so there's obviously two people and at that point in the film Sam figures that the guy that's shooting at him and the guy that he's chasing is the killer He's like, why the fuck else would this guy be pursuing me? He has to be the killer. But he never ever mentions that, you know, he that there's two people involved. There's obviously two people. And now it never gets really brought to his attention until they're in the police lab in the film. And they're going over the phone call that he recorded. Mm -hmm. The the lab scientist says, you know, he comes to the conclusion that there's two voices on there. And then he goes, holy shit, man, maybe there's two people. There could be two killers here. And I thought to myself and I'm like, that's a really strange moment in the film because Mm -hmm. He never put two and two together when there was two people Get that the killed the bodyguard. I mean, right at that moment, you should be like, holy fuck, there's two people involved. Obviously, there's a driver and there's a shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then at that point, I, and I'm just like, you, okay. You know,
1: so. it, it is kind of, I'm with you on that, but it is kind yeah. of like, okay, well, this guy just tried to kill me. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, he is the killer. Like, he's trying yeah. to kill me. He, he tried to kill somebody else. Uh, so like i he never says that but like i think it can be explained no, because he never says that there isn't two two people involved but yeah i kind you're definitely yeah, you right it I'm, is weird that he doesn't bring it up by that point
0: exactly you know because i mean if the guy had pursued him you know on foot you know it would have made more sense in that scene like oh shit man there's two people fuck mm-hmm. that's crazy but the fact about that there was a driver that took off i mean this guy is obviously in cahoots with the shooter but not to point it out and then be very surprised in the lab when he finds out that there's it's possibly definitely two impossible. voices on the tape it is a plot hole, but, you know, it's just something that I would note because it's always bugged me. Like every time I watch this movie, mm-hmm. I've, I have kind of point it out and I'm like, that is so weird to me. It and could I'm, just, be. I'm just like, maybe I'm missing something because it's quite possible in these type of films. It's easy to miss things like throwing the cigarettes and certain things. But this is what we're here to talk about.
1: Uh-huh. No, you're right, right. You're right.
0: You're
1: right. Um, I honestly don't have a ton more on this one, but, you know, do you guys have anything
0: else? Um, one thing I, <laughs> one thing about this movie that always, it just I love so much is all the red herrings in this in this movie, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's so many, like Men. it's just filled with red herrings, man. And, and you know, it's not a bad thing. It's it's good. I mean, you need those for these type of films, quite obviously. You know, right? But it, there's just tons of them. I, I, tons I
1: love them. whodunits, and I love you know, I, I do love the murder mystery s- story. Like I, I've always been a fan of that um it is definitely true that this isn't like your traditional horror film but I, it's definitely in the realm of horror
0: yeah so it's yeah, murder yeah.
1: serial killer stuff like that
0: i mean it's not like the first time we've covered something that was kind of on the fence you know joining yeah, dog you know but um, with a shotgun but with a ch- any ch- other shotgun.
1: film that jeremy picked <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah uh so but yeah
1: you want to um, go into ratings guys
0: yeah, sure. Um, okay.
1: I, I want to go first on this specifically because I, I need to ask you guys something. So yeah, my rating is definitely going to depend on how this question is answered. Okay. There is a reveal in this film. It's, most of the time in these films, they're not really reveals as much as they are like explanations. It's very weird. It's not your traditional like reveal. It's like it's more of like an explanation. It's I, I, I kind of noticed that throughout. But um, after we find out the reveal, I went back. And I watched certain scenes of this film again and I paused and I zoomed in and I did all these different things and I checked dream sequences and different things. And it's kind of a Greedo star Wars thing, like who shot first type thing. And like, to me, if they were somehow able to to film it the way that it ends and I just missed it, it would have been an amazing thing. But as far as I can tell what we originally think is what actually was filmed and then they just tell us something else is that true
0: oh so Mm -hmm. what you're saying is what you see or what sam originally sees is not actually what we're what we're yeah what we're showing was
1: truly shown on the screen
0: yeah yeah i i see what you're saying um yeah Yeah. it's something that i have yeah I mean, that's a really, really, really good point. So it's Adam. kind of a cop. Really, really, if, really observant. I, I give you mad props for that because, yeah, I've, I've actually thought the same thing. I never went and did the research like you did and actually fucking rewound and zoomed in. And, <laughs> uh, no, and because I was like, what, I was like, so, and, and cut and what, whatever the hell. You I, <laughs>
1: I, I had thought that like, okay, if they did this, if they did some like a good like illusion, like angle type thing, I will be so impressed and it will be one of the best things that I've ever seen. And when I went back, I was on un- fortunate to see that no it was exactly what i thought and i i now it is a little blurry and it's hard to see for sure but in from my experience i think that it 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 is a cop-out and that heavily affects my rating if it if yeah. that is true
0: yeah you so, know it is something it is I can something see, that, I can is, see that no it's totally been yeah. acknowledged by me before but to be honest i never thought about that this time i you just brought, brought that back to my attention um Yeah, you're right though. Yeah. So
1: as far as I know, what I'm sticking with, unless there's an interview or other footage or something that that shows that I'm wrong, I'm sticking to this rating because of that reason. But my rating would have been higher had they did some cool shit. So uh, my rating right now is an 8 out of 10.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, You're right though. Without trying to spoil the fucking film. <laughs> yeah, that was very
1: hard to dance around, by the way. <laughs> Did a good job. I, I will.
0: I, I give you mad props for even pointing that out. That's a really, really good thing because, you know, how many people have seen this movie and probably never thought of that? They just took it for granted. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So really, really good stuff. Yeah, Jeremy, has yeah, so, your rating changed?
2: Yeah. Uh, when I originally reviewed this film on the podcast, I was still in the middle of my research and all that kind of stuff so i haven't i've only watched it a few times now i watched it i've watched this film a bunch of times because like i said i i i studied it heavenly three semesters ago this film and deep red but um yeah it's definitely gone up i'm i'm with jp i'm gonna go up
0: a whole point and give it an eight out of ten Oh, yeah, you had it at seven. I thought you yeah. had it at eight. No,
1: yeah, that's well-deserved. And I thought you was going to come up, too, based on – because it does seem like a film – I'm going to be honest. Like I watched this film a couple – like not a couple whole times, but I kept having to like, do stuff and fall asleep and you know just different things. Not because I was bored or anything, but I told you guys that I watched the opening like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely picked out a lot more things in this one. And I do feel like this is a film that could uh, – Maybe not be super great on a first time watch, but then when you really start to notice things like the the actual techniques involved and that, well, that's in one way. thing right away. I know some people were questioning whether I would be like these films, but the one thing that I like overall more than anything and you guys should know this and everybody else who knows knows this show should know I like good filmmaking and without a doubt, you can't say that this isn't good filmmaking. So that's why yeah. I think that you guys should have known have fucking known. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See,
0: And, and, you know, that that brings up a good point, because when when there's a film that's actually well supposed to be well made and, you know, these type of films, you know, I for me, I rate a little bit different because, you know, if it turned out to be bad, it'd be like, you know, a shittier rating. I mean, I don't know how to explain this, but, you know, if if you take like a low budget film, like some low budget slasher film, like bloody, bloody Bible camp. And I'm only saying that because I was watching that before I went to bed last night. And, uh, you know, with a film like that, I know it's not going to be on this type of level. So I do, maybe I just, I give it leeway a little bit sometimes and I I rate accordingly to the type of film that it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not putting it on the same scale as, okay, this is my rating scale. So
1: you're grading on a scale is what you're saying? A little bit. Yeah, which I do too, but I don't heavily grade on a Mm -hmm. scale. It's just
0: a See, I just factor it in. You know, I don't really know technically how much I do, but I do factor the fact that this is a different type of film. Right. And, you know, it's kind of hard to lump it in, you know, that putting that next to Dario Argento would be like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, but anyways, with all that said, um, I you know, the one thing I did point out, you know, the the thing with the the two killers, it, it's always kind of plagued me and always kind of bugged me that little plot hole. And I just don't understand why. Argento never really kind of maybe just maybe it was an oversight in the in the script or whatever and no one ever noticed I don't know I doubt it that I'm the first person to notice that but um uh that you know that's kind of bugged me um a little bit but you know this film is really really entertaining I will say and you know I just I love beautiful women <laughs> you know mysteries I, this is why I love about giallo's I like love these type of films. Uh, The ending doesn't, you know, bug me as much as, um, but I do understand where you're coming from completely, JP. And uh, this one right here, eight and a half out of 10 for me.
3: Cool. Cool.
0: So, yeah, eight and a half. Figured I would come in there. Um, So you gave it an eight out of 10, Jeremy. Eight. Up to eight out of 10. Uh so my predictions were relatively correct on this. I figured that Jeremy would go up and I figured that JP would come in around seven and a half to eight on this. So I'm not doing too bad. What'd you guys figure I was gonna come in?
1: Uh, I thought uh, you was gonna be a little higher. But then yeah, I don't know. I thought you was I thought you I was gonna, gonna be like, higher like, than all just of just these. a little higher, like nine, I thought. But
0: yeah, yeah I mean I mean, even doing a nine is probably not that much of a stretch for me. I mean, I think people are probably going to scream. They're going to be like, that's never – that's you know, not making the Hall of Fame. Are I'm you telling you.
1: Had that ending not
0: been like that, man, this this could have no, been it's, like a, it's, a big it's one definitely a It's definitely a factor. Yeah. Um. But yeah. The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Moving on to 1971 with the second film in the so-called Animal Trilogy, uh, The Cat or Nine Tails. Yeah,
2: do you guys God. like cookies?
0: <laughs> this one is also uh, written by Dory Argento, of course, um, and this is the longest out of the trilogy too. Yeah, um, so running 112 minutes. This is, uh, you know, it, it's it's got some length to it. It's got some length to it, but it's
2: not really. Like never really gets boring.
0: I think it's no, drag
2: sometimes, but
0: yeah, but you know,
2: I love. Like I said, I think in this movie the blonde guy is my favorite Argento character that I've seen so far Yeah, he's so fucking nice
0: (laughs) alright so the little premise on this one a newspaper reporter and retired blind journalist try to solve a series of killings connected to a pharmaceutical company's experimental top secret research projects in doing so both become targets of the killer yeah exactly Mm
1: -hmm. thoughts Well, I feel like I've talked a ton.
0: <laughs> Jeremy, why don't you start out?
1: Okay, uh, my, my ooh, throat I... is
0: actually starting to hurt. I've been talking so much too.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I need a drink. Jeremy, take this one away. Lead off.
2: Well, I'm trying to think because I've watched, I fucking watched Bird so many times. Like, um, this, I think this movie has a totally different kind of a feel to it than Bird with the Crystal Plumage, but it has that same type of argento sense to it. But The whole pharmaceutical type company uh, aspect to the film, I think, is
0: is really interesting for Argento. You know, I'll give I'll give you my initial thoughts. The very first time I watched this movie, uh, which was just I don't know a few years back, but um, this one right here always reminded me of a Bond film. There's something (laughs) about this movie.
2: Yeah, when he's like when the, him
0: and the girl driving in the car,
2: it's like that's why exactly. I got like that's you why know I got, like the strong woman that mo- in that, that car because, sp- because I think how many times do you you're see right. a woman driving in a car like, totally. really fast like that. That's why I, that's why I always think there's something in these movies that are always pro feminist and like it's like how many times do you see a chick driving a car fast like that through the streets and
0: you know. But there's that. just so many aspects of this film. It's just the way it's the way the yeah, script, especially is at, like
2: the end when he's like on the roof like running around. Yeah, uh,
0: that's, yeah that's exactly what this movie is it's the whole structure of this movie it's the way the script is I feel like um, what's his name Roberto no what's the main character's name in this one uh, the, <laughs> I'm this so bad with names, names. I'm Carlo, so about Gerard- Car- Ger- Danny? Carlo Carlo yeah that's what it is I feel like he's James Bond in this film for some weird reason. He just, he, he looks like a James people. Bond too. He is man. He's a very good looking person. Yeah. He's very strong. He's into women. Um, but it's the way the script is. It's the whole pharmaceutical angle and you're trying to figure out, you know, like the bad guy that's possibly come from there and things like that the car chase this one has action in it you know it's got the 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 car scene it's got you know the the end with the roof and it, there's just so many elements of this film i just feel like you know argento made the bird with the crystal plumage and then watched a bunch of uh, you know at the time would have been roger Moore as the james bond yeah. and he's just like you know what i'm gonna make an italian bond film and no one's gonna fucking know you and know what?
1: you're you're totally right on this though too because even when i said like for some reason the reveals always feel like explanations that yeah. it, that kind of reminds me of like a james bond style villain too where it's mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. now
0: i'll tell you my master plan you know what i mean <laughs> exactly yeah this is i, I, I think
1: this it... this
2: reveal is definitely the weakest out of the out of the three you
0: I, know it's, i that's it's a, it's clear as day it, it's a really good one um yeah that's a good point jeremy um, i actually
1: called the, the third one really easy yeah. The third film. Yeah. The, the yeah.
3: Villain. <laughs> I'll get into but that But it's clear to right? stay
1: in this movie too though. But I I, I think this
0: – yeah, I think the – Like the
2: moment he goes to the – the moment he goes to like the club restaurant type of thing and he, he talks to the old guy. It's like, oh, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this one definitely isn't written as well as um... – the, the uh yeah. the Bur- Crystal plumage for sure the script is not as strong but uh but maybe that's what you know it was intended you know I mean bond movies aren't necessarily the strongest scripts either,
3: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you know, but all in all, I think it does work, and this one does portray a lot of really interesting characters, like I said, you know the Carlos being the bond type character um and of course uh the blind character, which is like so you said the nice. most interesting character uh Franco. cookie <gasps> yeah cookie cookie. Uh, but, you know, that's an interesting angle, you know, to have, you know, just someone that you didn't even know start yeah. investigating with him who comes from the same realm of reality. You know, he's a retired uh, reporter, too, and he's a puzzle. He's a puzzle solver, you know, and I I, I like that. It, it, in a way, it's kind of cheesy.
2: He always has fucking outcasts in society, you know, all horror films do, but especially Argento, you know, like I say, makes entry comments about sexuality and people who blind people and especially sexuality in the next film but yeah it's just i just love how he's able to incorporate characters that often don't get the time or day to be talked about and especially it, during this time
0: i always thought it was a really interesting contrast in this film too you're talking about you know um you know i always bring up argento and his close-up of eyes and things like that right does there's, that there's a lot of like this one. yeah he does it a lot in this film he really focuses on eyes and i think it's an interesting contrast with you know his style of filmmaking you know, and, and doing those, you know, those fast approach eye shots and stuff. The but audience. then having one of his main protagonists be blind. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. That, I don't know that if that it. Is I
1: don't, yeah, I didn't really. I put don't know it and anything, it, it I, and yeah, if it means anything. But it
0: might. And if it doesn't,
1: might. if it wasn't intended to mean something, that doesn't mean that it still can't be yeah, perceived and then mean something.
0: Exactly, it's still something to point out. I just think that's really interesting. But, yeah, good. But good. Know,
1: point out because i didn't even think of that uh Mm. you think hooper might have been inspired by like all these eye shots from these type of films Uh,
2: no but eyes have always been prominent though in horror genre like uh, especially in film theory like eyes are like huge with having to do with like the audience and uh the it's called the cinema the cinema apparatus which is like all the audience
0: oh is that what it's called yeah
2: yeah (laughs) it's it's like I said, this the class I took two semesters ago on film theory is definitely the most complicated class I've taken in school so far. And it's like, it's a really, really complicated theory, but it's a whole thing with uh, the audience being uh, and connected to the projector and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like Woody Allen really dabbles in the, this idea. Yeah. but Yeah.
0: You know what? Not, not to compare this one directly to Bird. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, considering they're part of a, you know, an animal trilogy, quote unquote. Um, you know, this movie is completely different than The Bird with the Crystal Plumage in a lot of aspects. Like I said, it, it has a totally different type of feel. And it's you know.
1: less horror, I think. I don't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe it is. Yeah. There's a uh, really good murder though in the dark room with the rope, man. That is legit, dude. But you don't yeah, really. That was tight gosh, around thing. the neck, though, man. I think. I it think is the they don't I think, do that nowadays man they don't think put the, the actors tra- in that
2: situation i think the train kill is much
1: more gruesome <laughs> than great great the tra- kill as well it, it's yeah. a little, little awesome. weird like it yeah, could be perceived man. as a little cheesy at the, the first initial impact yeah but when it when it's under there and it's rolling around it's like fuck yeah <laughs> i know it's
0: nasty you know one thing about this movie that's it's very very different than bird with the crystal plumage is the music cues in this film I, whenever I watch this film, it it has that very early vibe of you know slasher cues. I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but just the way the music is presented, it just has that slasher feel to it yeah. with the music. It's kind of weird because like in Bird, it's just completely not like that. No, at yeah, all.
1: you're right. Now I didn't have that noted or anything. I was having a hard time, but you're right. I am remembering that now. I do <clears throat> remember thinking that subconsciously as well. Yeah, like those it's, cues yeah. are those cues are uh, a big deal in in a lot of you know slashers. It, it's mm-hmm. all
0: about exactly sometimes. Yeah, and this one, I mean, the kills are straight up like total slasher feel, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you said, the negative one, and but yeah, it, it's just got a, it's got a different feel. And this one is, you know, I think it, uh, it ups know, the body count. I think from the previous film too.
2: The the not really, at least with these three films, he's not really that. And I don't really think he cares that much about body count.
0: No, 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 no he doesn't. It's but, not but what the he, film. But makes. his point, well, his body count is is you know is you know, it's based on the script, though, too, right? Like, he's killing off the people that matter. Mm -hmm. It's not like a slasher film where it's just like, well, you're over here, so I'm gonna take you out, too. (laughs) You know, there is a point, there is a purpose to every kill and stuff, and, you know, I really do like the, you know, the whole scene, you know, with the, uh, well, basically how the investigation kind of gets going in this film with, uh, with Carlos and figuring out that, you know, with the crop shot and stuff like, well, actually, it's not even him that brings it up, it's the, um, it's Franco, yeah, right. I, I like that whole. I I think that was really interesting how they incorporated it. just, you know, let's see the whole negative of this, and then holy shit, yeah, you're right. I like that. That's cool. I mean, it's not really, you know, rocket science writing or anything, but I think mm-hmm. it's effective and it just kind of gets it going and it's intriguing. It's intriguing. You know, I, I like that type of invest, investigative reporting and stuff. It's kind of no, interesting.
2: It's not so much fun when you do it. Believe me.
0: Yeah, but I just I I just think it was interesting. I, I mean, maybe hate maybe it was you know, maybe it was a little far fetched because, but at the same time, it's not, you know, he's blind. He didn't see the picture in there, but he asked about it and, you know, he has this history and, you know, they do explain, you know, like he was, you, know, you get this impression that he was a really good reporter. Like he knew his shit, you knew his shit. And so that scene just makes sense then, you know, that he would question it and he would look into it like that quick, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like it was appropriate. So, um, you know the other aspect of this film that I find interesting is the whole you know the, the XXY chromosome talk. You know, yeah. Um, uh. You know, I think it's interesting for the time.
3: Oh yeah, know, it's yeah. 1971,
0: it, it kind of, and it, yeah, it's very interesting that they were willing to you know take that chance and put this in there. You know, talking about you know X or Y was it X? I XY? think it isn't it No X Y Y. That's I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, if your chromosome ends with an X or Y, me, it, it's like an indicator for. Future criminal behavior and stuff. And I think
1: there I think, is actual some science to 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 back that in like real life as well. I would
2: yeah, assume I so. There would be something.
0: I don't. Gento
2: doesn't seem like somebody would pull something out of his ass.
0: Yeah, totally. But I really like the idea that they incorporated this because you know this. You know, it, it's it seems kind of simple,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but it's kind of real at the same time, and it does make sense. You know, these people that have this extra Y chromosome are criminals, and this is what's going on um yeah it's simple but i, I it's believable mm-hmm. it's completely believable it's maybe not the best storyline in the world but it's believable at least well you know I, you know all three of these
1: films i think you know 1970 1971 like dude that's like fresh out of the 60s man like it, it, these films are, are kind of important like they, they do do a lot of things like the things people weren't really doing in 1970 different it's different there than it was here yeah
2: you have to think about it. What you're talking about, like the U.S. is totally different than what was going on over there. Yeah, in Italy, well, mm-hmm. so- socially at least, they were, they were way more. I think from what I'm what I know about the Italians, they were way more progressive than we we even were like a long time before mm. the 60s, mm-hmm. like mid 60s. Beatles come here, Muhammad Ali, civil rights, all that kind of stuff. Hippies, it was all starting mm. to change, but I think it was different over there. So I I, I, I see where you're getting at, JP. I don't really think it's as prominent as if they were American films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, see, I don't know enough <clears throat> about the, like the Italian culture. And, yeah, I mean you – know, uh, Honestly, like I I have heard a lot of times that a lot of Italian films were kind of almost even made for America too. Is mm-hmm. that is that true at all? Moods like they like they went in like knowing that these are gonna be. You know, yeah, dis- I mean, that's distributed to America. Mm-hmm. Like, you you go into like the dubbing 100%. and stuff. Like, a lot of them were dubbed like <laughs> shitty. And yeah, but even in like like Amer- American languages, uh, even I forget, I don't even know what I'm talking about. My bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I they were because I mean that's why they set a lot of these things from you know a lot of Italian films were even set in New York and stuff. They would like love New York setting and things like that they were made for new york and you know <laughs> having these actors that came over to italy and stuff it, it always seems that there's an american always a right so it was it was supposed to be you know kind of fed back to them this is what we're gonna do So their selling point
2: besides in i don't think there's an american in, in flies but yeah but so yeah, what's I mean, up
0: with that
1: bag milk
0: um what do you mean
1: like that milk it's in a bag it's just oh old, like, oh like yeah, i know right? <laughs> what
2: the fuck i just love it. it's all that's leaking what? all over the place it's like because what, she it's, it's leaking because sitting... she fucking post political
1: hole in. yeah i know but it's just like it, he doesn't clean it up or anything he's just like oh I, know, <laughs> I love how he like
0: slaps the glass out of her hand he's like Bitch! when he's pouring that shit out man spill it
2: everywhere i'm like oh god yeah
1: and it, have, it's like this. sitting at room temperature oh, i know in a <laughs> bag
2: that's it's like how do they get it
1: in the bag in the first place? I always thought Canadians had bag milk. Oh, <laughs> I had heard that growing up. Like,
0: uh, I believe I believe it they like do it in Ontario. Actually, out in the west, like we can't even buy that stuff out here. I think in Ontario you can buy that, but it's like not even available here. It's like different uh, different distributors or something. I don't know.
1: So, uh, guys, yeah. did you did you know that this is Argento's least favorite film of his?
0: Uh, which Cat and Nine Tails? Yeah. I thought it was The Bird with the Crystal Plumage was his least favorite. No. Oh. This one. It's this one? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, the script is a little mumbly at times. You know, there is times where it drags a little oh, bit yeah. in this film, and there is things that are kind of like... That's too, you know, long. in the script, it, you know, yeah, it, like in the mystery, you're just like, uh, I okay. knew who it was. You man. know, I, you kind of, and that's the thing. I think the script is just, it's not as, it's not as strong as something like Bird. You know, it just kind of plays itself out, and it, it's not really, you know, it, it's not. It just seems way less, lesser of a film to me. You know, I don't, I don't really know how to explain. It. I mean, I don't want to say the script is shitty. <laughs> you know, Dude, when but he
2: slapped that little girl, I was like, holy shit, he's like. She literally bitch slapped her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Jesus. <laughs> fucking like, fucking throws her in the back and just fucking. Oh, I don't know. Mm. But once again, many really interesting thing- themes about gay stuff in this movie. It's interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: really think. I think that once again plays with the just the different cultural differences between here and and uh, Italy. I think I don't know, but interesting between. Oh, I don't want to ruin it.
0: Yeah, it's a thing. It's, you know, it's a little tough to talk about it stuff, but <laughs>
2: What do you think about the ending
1: kill?
0: Uh, um, I love
1: lame. that shit. I what? love when he's like I love whoa, when he's whoa, whoa, like Hold up! hold up. Go back. Lame? Is that what you said? Well, when he like
2: crashes through, I didn't know it was an elevator until like he started putting his hands. But then it looks like he like falls on his feet. I'm <laughs> like it looks like he's going to live when he when he hits the bottom. Well, I, I... I mean, well, he does it, land on it, it, his feet, kind of, yeah, because it was,
0: his hands were running down the cable, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? So his feet are obviously pointed at the ground. Yeah, I but... think
1: I think I honestly heard Argento's... Now, don't quote me on this, but I think I actually heard him say that it's supposed to be ambiguous, whether he's alive or dead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because we, mean, never, I, we never we really You know, that know. actually
0: does make sense.
2: Because we never really, like, see him dead. All we hear is, cookie! <laughs> yeah. That's it.
0: You know, honestly, I think my favorite scene in this film is actually when they go to the graveyard to... To yeah. recover what's in that locket. Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Um, that whole scene there when you know uh, Giordini, If um, you hear anything, our main character gets like, locked you can't in there. See yeah, when Giordini gets locked in there, and he's just like, ah, oh, fuck. And then you kind of do like you kind of feel for him because you know he's in there and he's you know just you know just shut the top on this casket and you know there's bodies in there. But then what does he do? He just sits down and sparks up a joint.
3: Yeah, yeah. Fuck, it makes, it makes me laugh. You.
0: You know, of course that's what you're going to do, man. You're trapped inside a big tomb, essentially. <laughs> what else are you going to do? You're just going to get high, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of made me laugh. I like that part, though. It's funny. It's well shot. Though. That scene's awesome. Again, you know, Argento just never fails with his lighting. Always has really great lighting in the scenes. So Pre- do you guys have much more? Uh, Not really. I mean, I just don't want to, you know, give away certain yeah. scenes and stuff. I mean, yeah. this this one, it's still, in my opinion, it's still a, you know, a decent. All, oh, a, a,
1: a spoiler alert. All three of these are actually like they're good movies. Yeah. It's yeah. just how good are they is the question.
0: Yeah. um, You know, I still get a lot of enjoyment out of this one. Uh, I think
1: I the know.
2: characters are likable in this movie more than
0: the other two films.
3: Mm hmm.
2: I think our main lead's likable, and like I said, I think the blind journalist, is he's really likable.
1: It's definitely more sympathetic. Uh-huh. Yeah, because
2: if he would... Oh, fuck. I don't want to <laughs> spoil it.
0: Sympathetic, I mean... If they would have
2: let one of the characters die, I think it would have been different. But nobody, yeah. none of the main characters really die in this movie.
0: I think the the one thing about this film that I really do enjoy is uh, just the paranoia, the paranoid feel that this film allows to have because you know there's there's certain parts in the film that you know there was that that scene
1: where the chick's on one side of the wall that i thought was very good
2: yeah
1: yeah
2: yeah it works i guess
0: yeah, yeah it's okay i guess so yeah i mean um but yeah, the paranoia thing, it's just, it really factors in because, you know, of course, with uh, the blind guy, too. Yeah. I mean, having that right there, I mean, who the fuck wouldn't be paranoid? Now, you know, you're potentially ge- being targeted. You know, yeah. you're blind. I mean, fuck, scary as shit, man. So. I thought he was a god. I like that. I like those elements, man. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this one. Yeah. So. Ratings. What are we going to. Do for ratings here. Notes. Mm. All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I said what I had to say about the film. I, I still enjoy this film, and you know, I'm I'll watch it again in the future. Uh, but yeah, there is things about this one. I find that this one kind of amps up the comedy elements a little bit. There's there's some scenes in this film that just I don't know. There's something about it, man. It's just comical to me, man. I don't know. They're obviously probably unintended. I'm assuming. Maybe it's just my sense of humor. I just, I'm laughing mm. at people. I don't know. But I, I find that th- I think there is some intentional laughs in here too throughout the film. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's not a negative or anything. Um, but I still really enjoy it. Seven and a half.
2: All right. All right. I want me to go, JP. Yeah, good. This one's, this one is, it's good. I don't think I really enjoyed it as much as I did Bird. I don't think there's as many interesting things from a film theorist standpoint in this movie than bird but there's still some interesting things going on and i think it drags at some point and uh some things sometimes really don't make sense all the way but it's not a bad movie you have all your Argento things your staircase shots and your colors and all that kind of stuff so um it's it's still a good film but uh, i'm gonna come in at a six and a half out of ten on this one holy shit
1: all right me personally the cat O Nine nine tells uh, I, I don't really think there's much wrong with it per se it's it's not as good as i wished it it was i don't really care for a lot she of the uh, i don't really care for a lot of the you know driving scene that long driving scene I, I did feel like this one was a little bit too long i wanted more more of the way that bird was i guess it it, it is really a standard murder mystery like it is mm-hmm. it is Pretty damn standard in terms of storytelling. Uh, nothing. I, I like the incorporation of the blind man like Jeremy and, and yeah. Little Kid and stuff like that. Uh, overall, it, it's a good movie. It's, there's not much wrong with it. I give it a 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm.
2: And cool. everybody says that I was going to suck Argento's dick.
1: You, you, you know what's funny about that, Jeremy? You totally read that completely wrong. It, like, And I was messing with you because you read it wrong. Oh. What I said... I think people think you're a cocksucker. Not not a li- actual <laughs> not an actual like you blow all these filmmakers cocksucker. like you're just a dick. Okay. <laughs> like you rate movies like extremely low. Like I think that I, I that's what I was actually saying, but I just kept thinking it was funny because rate was, movies
2: like, you movies low. It's hard for me to fucking of course I'm going to rate movies low. It's hard to I think I just have a sense a different sense of what a good movie deserves to be rated. I don't know.
1: I actually, I actually don't. I I actually don't think your ratings are that bad. Like I think people give you shit for them sometimes, or maybe think that they're a little too low. But I actually don't. I don't think they're that low. Sometimes they are, but sometimes I, I think most of the time I can see it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm not like moods. It fucking gives everything nines.
1: Yeah. Mo- if anything, <laughs> moods <laughs> is are too high sometimes. Except for when he or, rates *Night of the Demons* remake. That is or, an
0: obvious mess or dark. On his <laughs> or-
1: part. Dark I do not give
0: everything nines. I didn't even give fucking The Bird nine.
2: What did you give Dark Hall? Five. A five? How is that movie a five?
0: It's it's, clearly it's not. not a five, but I, I was entertained by it. You know, it's weird.
2: It's not a five, but you're entertained by it. So it's not a five.
0: Whatever, man. What I, is, I think Moods has admitted be that he was
1: probably a little too high on that one. In retrospect, he probably should have rated it lower think he yeah, has said that
0: probably I was in the moment man I was fucking he was devil advocating on I me do jerk off a lot when we're doing the show <laughs> so I was probably in a moment if somebody
1: know. out there wants to take a really big challenge under their belt take all of the main featured review films that we've done and see what each of our average rating is
0: yeah yeah I mean, fuck, man, I've watched a shit ton of movies this year where they've been below fives. Trust me. <laughs> a lot of shitties. lot of shitties. All right, so moving on to the third and final film in the Dario Argento animal trilogy, also from 1971, comes Four Flies on Gray Velvet. Man, definitely my favorite title out of the out three. Out
1: of the three? Yeah.
0: It's the more sinister fives. for sure a soundtrack to Alan's. What thing. what is awesome, man. Greatest title. Yeah. It's actually one of my favorite giallo titles, man. It I don't know. and I it think of giallo, gross. it just four flies on gray velvet. Just it flows well, you know. It's a great title. Um yeah. All right. So, a musician is stalked by an unknown killer who's blackmailing him for an accidental killing of another stalker. But is everything what it appears to be? Yeah. So, yeah, that's essentially what happens in this film. Um, apparently, you know, the beginning of this film is interesting because it it seems like it picks up. like he's been being apparently he's been stalked for about a week prior to this incident that takes place in the beginning of the film.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so he's had enough. He's noticed that some dude has been watching him for apparently a week. So he's had enough. He follows this guy into an abandoned old theater type thing, which I might add looks fucking awesome. Man. Yeah, that balcony
2: like, is fucking cool, man. When yeah,
0: oh, dude, it is so awesome. And even the,
1: the way he falls great. into the little thing there on a bridge. I like, Dude, that is what I was saying earlier when I was like, they just don't do this anymore. They don't I find know. these grand places to film in.
2: Yeah, well, like when when he fell in and then the spotlight hits and you see the mask, I said it yesterday, it's fucking unsettling, dude.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. That
2: mask is fucking creepy as hell.
0: But yeah, like that whole scene is just shot amazing. But anyways, he falls him into this old theater where he has a little bit of a scuffle with them. Dude pulls a knife and uh, yeah, our main character, man, I'm so Roberto ends up killing his stalker. As soon as he kills the stalker, he looks up on the balcony and he sees someone else up there wearing this really creepy mask like Jeremy mentioned. And yes, it is creepy as flying fuck that I would hate to see that mask in that dark uh, setting. Um, who's actually taking pictures of him. So and Dick uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just like snapping photos. And then all of a sudden. Uh, that person starts using the photos against him as blackmailing, of course. And but the weird thing about it is that the person that took the pictures doesn't want money. He doesn't really know what he wants, and now he's trying to figure out who the fuck this person is. And people start dying, of course. And you've got your film.
1: Yeah, it opens so, up with that like band practice. What do you guys think
0: of that? I love it, man. Because I love that the band soundtrack to, it's it awesome. reminds me of like an Italian It's It's like a little heavier.
1: What the fuck is that? <laughs> what
2: the
0: fuck is, That is not me.
2: That was me. That was weird. <laughs>
0: uh, not me. Um, yeah. But Texas
2: Chainsaw like Massacre, press next. And that, I don't
0: know what the fuck that was. <laughs> so, yeah, the band in the beginning of the film, it, uh, it reminds me of like a heavier version, like an Italian heavier version of The Doors. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. the guy's like, like, sitting like, there, he's playing the organ and shit, and I'm just like, this is The Fucking Doors. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh. It's very like early seventies to me too. Like I, I just I love it, and and they incorporate like a fly into that. It's just you know kind of artsy
0: and cool. I find that this film right here depicts yeah. the seventies a lot more than um, Cat yeah, of Nine Tales, too. even though it you know, and I bring that up because they were filmed in the same or they came out the same year or whatever. And uh, this one just feels way more seventies. It does, way it more seventies. I think I think the, I think the um, you know Cat and Nine Tails actually has more of a sixties vibe True. than anything. And this one right here, I, I find it just really depicts it. And it's probably due to the fact of um, you know the parties and stuff that they're at. It just feels so seventies, you know. It's just yeah. got that. It, it, the, the chick walking inside.
1: around where you can see her <clears throat> boobs through the shirt and stuff yeah. like that. That feels seventies as fuck.
2: That chick in this movie is definitely the hottest. The cousin.
0: Oh yeah, she's fucking She's
2: definitely just... the hottest out of like all three of the films.
0: Yeah, um, more of I don't well, know, man. She, had, she has fan. like
2: a
1: beauty to her.
2: Her nipples are a little bit too perky for me, but she's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm sorry. That seduction scene was funny. <laughs> it's edited funny because it's like all of a sudden they're naked in the bathtub together. What, yeah.
0: is, what is what is she rubbing them down with? By the way, is it butter? I don't know. I, no, I swear to God, it's butter. Coconut <laughs> butter like it, I actually thought it was cooking butter
1: not, no it's, not it's like, like <laughs> it's like a coconut like, like like jeremy said like a coconut butter type thing
0: I don't know it just looked good I don't know there's
1: some strong paranoia in this one as well
0: oh yeah definitely definitely I um, love the
2: fisherman in this fucking
0: his coon. I think yeah. he's a fisherman, dude. That, yeah, scene a fisherman. So, that scene is so nasty, man. They, like throws down the like the little yeah. fish. Yeah, like eat this, and he's like. At first, I think he's joking, and then he just like pops her back. It's like, is it's there like, bones in there? He's fucking like eats. Well, it's like thing. sardines, right? Yeah. You know? But like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's a Fucking gross scene. Uh, sardines, but yeah, I, I really, I really enjoy the whole setup to this film. Like just the way it's shot, the way it's presented and stuff. It's creepy, and it's an interesting premise because it kind of gets you thinking. Oh, okay. Now um, I
2: want canned sardines.
0: Yeah, man, there oh, yeah. they're so fucking good. You know, this film right here, uh, when I first originally th- watched this film, I won't lie. I, you know, I was really intrigued with the premise and stuff. And then it gets about halfway through, maybe, you know, maybe two thirds of the way through. And I'm like, I know exactly where this is going.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was 100% correct. So every time I watch this film, I just try to point out other things and stuff. But, you know, to be honest, I don't think it really. You know, it really takes too much away, like even though I think this is probably the most predictable film under the three for me anyways. Yeah, I, I called it because on. I never predict. I won't lie. Like I never predicted, you know, with the first time I watched Cat and I Tales*. I mean, maybe you guys did. But I didn't actually. Uh, Jeremy said it. Was very
2: yeah, I this
0: right here, I actually did predict the first time I was watching because I was kind of thinking it. And I think what had happened for me is that oddly enough. The first time I watched this film, I'd watched another film, which I can't remember, but I think this is what happened, and it was, it was kind of about a similar premise, you know, with, you know, ah, I don't want to give that away, but it just, I was thinking about that film, and then when I was watching this, I was like, Okay, I can see where this is going. Yep, it went there. I'm, I'm gonna be
1: honest, like they kind so. of ran together a little bit for me. So uh, sometimes I, uh, during these conversations, I think of scenes and I'm like, wait, which one was that in? Because I watched them so close together, and uh, mm-hmm. I fucking hate when that happens but i mean they all are murder mysteries that you know that are pretty long so they they can run kind of together so excuse me if i accidentally said something that was in a previous film
0: so you know read after this happens and you know he again with a really odd uh reaction but again (laughs) fuck this one's hard to talk about man yeah the dead cats yeah the dead cats huh yeah, the fucking dead cat. Yeah, I know it's fucked up, eh? Um, which I, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Right, because the film before is Cat and Nine Tales, and, Tails, and uh-huh. this one has all the cats in it. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. strange, but um, but and like, what's up with that?
2: retina? Eye sees the last image. It's like that's bullshit. I that's no, that's cat. an
1: old school myth, though, dude. That been that that was actually like a myth. Obviously, it's fo- proven false, but yeah, it, it was a myth. So it's of the time where there wasn't fucking internet <laughs> and. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. It's obviously fake as fuck, but it works for the time. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So you know, right after the opening scene in this film, he goes home and he starts sleeping. Then he starts having these. Well, which is a reoccurring dream that starts right there. Um, What are your guys' thoughts on that? Because it's obviously, you know, we brought this up in the in the Argento. In the Argento, in the bird review, you know, with Freudian dreams and things like that. And, and this is quite dreams, all reoccurring all dreams. And yeah. obviously, you know, what he's dreaming of is it progresses throughout the film, which I again like, you know, you get to see a little bit of, of that sequence and then you get to see little little really bits like, and pieces more throughout the film. And then, of course, you get to see the end of it.
2: Yeah, I don't fully um, grasp how that connects to his psyche, though.
0: Yeah. I, I'm know, a little
2: confused with that about how all like how is this representative of what's going on the
0: only thing i can think of with this is something that i can't talk about because it'll give the whole fucking movie away yeah which is yeah. unfortunate because my theory is which i'm not going to say because i will ruin the entire movie but i do have a theory on why he's dreaming that it, it's probably wrong well my theories aren't wrong There's they're still... just theories um but uh i do have a connection with this you know um this this is a really hard movie to talk about
1: it is it
0: unfortunately is. because it's just because it's so yeah
1: what do you guys <laughs> think true. of the homosexual private investigator
0: i actually liked him it reminds me of gene Siskel. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. it's fucking hilarious man <laughs> he I, does you said that that is fucking funny dude reminds me of gene Siskel. totally you're right, you're right. i never even thought of that that's hilarious he's uh, cool Gen- i think once I mean, again on, man, the guy the guy was pure comic relief in the film and Not then when he, like, as as then as well, he yeah. goes to
2: like the other gay guy's house and they're fucking like talking and they're like, let me laugh.
1: What did you guys <laughs> think of like the, uh? you know, I've never successfully completed one of these cases. Like I was like, yeah. what?
0: <laughs> 83 of them and I've never completed one. I know. It's like like I said, man, it was like it, they totally took this weird kind of angle with this film until, you know, it's kind of going, you know, it's the tone is super serious. like super serious, but it's serious. And then when you meet this P.I., it takes like this downward spiral in tone. Like it kind of gets comical and stuff, of course, with, you know, I'm not finishing cases and stuff. But right when he goes into the private eye place, I love the door handle. It's a big eye. Yeah. Right. And then instantly then you get introduced to this gay over the top um, private eye. And it's just funny to me, man. I just like this character. And it's just like, holy shit, this movie all of a sudden got funny. You know, it's it's funny. The funniest part, though, is in the diner when he's like he's like. He goes to pay had for four steaks, steaks and three.
2: He, steak he's like, "So what
0: did he have?" And he's like, Oh, "He had like four steaks. He had a couple eggs, a salad, a coffee, and a beer." <laughs> and so he starts painting. And he looks at the girl to tell, and he goes, "Well, I guess he wasn't hungry at all, was he?"
1: <laughs> you, you know, what, <laughs> speaking, oh my, what going back fuck? to that uh, scene where he enters the, um, you know, the private eye office, it kind of reminds you of like how even back then, or back then, you know, gays were considered lesser even by themselves. It was kind of weird where he yeah. was like, you know, I know what you're thinking. I'm just – and he was like – I was like, that's kind of interesting.
2: It's just a different time.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's an interesting note though, right? You know, yeah. 71. Things are just a lot different. And, you know, a little bit I, – I, I tend to think sometimes that, that, that there might be like a little cultural barrier thing there too. You know, it's Italian.
2: Yeah. But Argento's totally – even in deep red, he, he likes having gays in his movies. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting
0: i mean i don't know if it's something to like look too much into maybe it's just the way it is
2: yeah you know
0: maybe it's just no different i mean i don't look at gay people as
2: me neither but
0: you have to think about the
2: time period
0: though you know that's exactly what it is yeah i mean people were a little more you know sensitive or paranoid to the fact of oh he's gay you know it's like (laughs) nowadays it's like dude like especially for me i
2: fucking go to an art school everybody's fucking
0: everybody knows somebody or has a family member whatever it's just a normal part of life yeah well, but it was definitely more ten- More gays out in the world nowadays i think it's just <laughs> i don't think there's, there's more i think more people are I'm just, joking <laughs> no i think it's just people are just more acceptable too so they come out
1: yeah right? that's obviously the case
0: but uh <laughs> yeah i don't know this movie it's i i really enjoy this movie i just think it's just you know, once the reveal happens, you know, you're just like, OK, it, yep.
1: it's like again, though, it's not a reveal. It's a fucking explanation. It's like a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would. These films end weird with the way they explain things like it's it's more <laughs> than just a reveal. It's like this is my serious plot. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's a different and It's style. like what's up with
2: like the whole like, oh, oh
1: fuck with the boy
2: thing wanting to be a boy it's weird i liked it something to do with freud again i think that's yeah more freud yeah, stuff it's
0: isn't? definitely freudian stuff it's connected to the it's yeah. got to be connected to the dreams and i don't uh, dude, and i penis
2: don't miss fantasy yeah but
1: she didn't want to pe- i know i'm giving it away
0: yes i know that's the thing this one's really really hard to, it is
1: it is and you know the thing is like <laughs> I didn't take notes on this one cause I really just wanted to lay down and watch this one in the dark. The other ones i watched watch with the light on and stuff. And I really wish I had took notes now because I can't really think of specific things that I want to talk about.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, one thing in, in this movie that really, really cracked me up again, going back to the PI, the scene with the, uh, the private eye talking to somebody about like a lead or like a clue that he had or something like that. Anyways, the guy gives them some information on the phone and the P.I. says to him and he goes, "Wow, oh, he's kind of he- humming and hawing about it and stuff. And he goes, well, he goes, you know, this might just be a red herring. <laughs> he actually fucking says that on the phone. And I, I burst out laughing. I'm like, man, this movie is so funny. <laughs> like, this when do you just say that in a film? Yeah, I didn't notice that. But that is funny. It is funny, right? Like, it's just it's kind of subtle, though, because he just kind of says it like in, you know, a normal conversation. Right. And I'm just like, OK, it's <laughs> the weird thing to say, but. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. The uh I don't know, what do you guys think about the whole you know, the whole premise of like the homicidal paranoid angle of the killer? You know, how the they they kind of you know, they're investigating into it and this this person's just so vile and so violent and so brutal and stuff, you know, based on the killings and the evidence that they've had that uh it's you not know, really that
2: many interesting kills in this movie.
0: Well, and and that's what leads me like they're calling the, the killer like a homicidal paranoid and like, you know, that's why, you know, the person kills and stuff. I kind of like that. It was kind of dismissive at times too. Um and that kind of leads me into, you know, his uh I don't know what you want to call her, the cousin, the the mistress or whatever you want to call her. Mm. Um you know, I will say though, but like I I thought that her death scene was shot so strange.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah, because I, I could
0: see that yep it was wasn't it is it not just me or was that scene shot really strange i was just like oh the fuck man i mean it's definitely not argento's um you know best scene he's ever done i just i always thought it was kind of weird but i don't know um but one thing about this movie that just really really kind of took it to the next level for me and i it got kind of got me thinking again with you know his technology you know you don't really think of argento in like technology and film and in his films and stuff like that but you know he kind of incorporated that into cat of nine with the whole chromosome thing and you know science mm-hmm. technology and stuff but there's a scene in this film where you know talking about the mistress's death i really like the idea that uh, the police bring up about phot- photographing the retina you know i mean it's pretty extreme technology stuff for 1971 but i like that whole idea Mm -hmm. you know of you know them using the eye as like a film cell and whatever the last thing she saw would still be on her retina so they photograph and they go in there and then that's where the four flies is kind of revealed and stuff and um it's kind of like where it ties into the title and stuff. i I thought that was fucking fantastic that was really cool yeah Um, i
1: i I like that as well
0: thought that was really cool man just a really kind of unique thing they threw in there so but you know all in all um I don't really have a lot more to say about it because I'm having a hard time with this one because I keep. I don't want to
2: give it. spoilers. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's, a, kind a, it's a hard kind one of going into off. spoiler. Yeah, I keep going into spoiler territory so much with this one. It's just a, it, it's, I really do enjoy this one. So.
1: Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Ratings.
0: Uh, but yeah, let's get into ratings. Who hasn't gone first? You? Me. Or
1: Jeremy? Uh,
2: well, I'm trying to think how I'm going to give my rating compared to the other two movies it's definitely my middle one the one i liked in the middle i think it's not as definitely not as good as bird and it's better than cat i think it has some interesting things going on with the gay comments and stuff like that so uh, i'm gonna come in with a 7 out of 10 on this one all right
1: i'll go next uh i'm right with jeremy i i think that i like this one less than bird but more than cat uh i i think that this one is more along the film lines of the type of film that i like a little bit more than cat i thought there was a little bit more like action-y type shit going on in cat uh like i said all three of these are good films Uh, this one is particularly hard harder to talk about i give it a 7.5 out of 10
0: yeah this one is really really just on the verge of spoiler territory almost everything you say um you know what i'm right there with you guys man i i think this one isn't as good as uh bird and i think it's a little better than cat and i'm also right in the exact middle of my ratings um so i have an eight out of ten on this one i i do like this i i think it's interesting how much more comedy threw into this one um, yeah it, it definitely had me laughing the hardest i was fucking laughing man it's pretty funny at parts but
1: yeah it's cool it's that this really... film exists because uh like you said uh it was really hard to find for a while it didn't have a release
0: yeah and it, it's so awesome that they found a pristine print of it because it looks yeah. really great you know this one definitely has some of the quirkiest characters in it too which we, we didn't add you know mm-hmm. fully but uh, that's got some really quirky things going on um but yeah that is gonna do it <laughs> for episode 61 i had a lot of good times this episode fun times good yeah, times, good, good times. conversation on the films yeah man um definitely a step up from last week's show that's for sure uh yeah. i think we were more of in the right frame of mind this week it was just you know times get hectic and brains get lazy and you know sometimes we just get too much sand in our vaginas and <laughs> it spills go. out on
2: the floor and then you get in a bad mood because there's sand all over your floor and it's all oh. yeah picking yep. up sand uh but, but i mean it's, you know, right out of the, it's still I mean, moist because to- it was just coming <laughs> out <there. laughs>
0: You know, to be honest, these films—you know, not to defend last week, you know, whatever—but like, I think these films were just a little more interesting to talk about, anyways. Yeah. You know, than the, yeah. those ones. There's not really a whole lot to say, but so, um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for episode 61, the first one episode of four. Of, uh, one of four, yeah, one of four of here uh, on Italian-themed uh, four months. Um, so yeah, so next week, of course, we've got. Uh, I think we have Lucio Fulci's uh, Gates of Hell trilogy. I, am I correct?
1: yep city of the okay. living dead from nineteen eighty house by the cemetery from eighty one and the beyond from eighty one
0: yes awesome which one stuff. goes
1: first the Beyond or house by the cemetery the beyond okay, so house is last
0: gates of hell the Beyond and house by the cemetery in that order coming up next week for y'all uh I will remind Lucia Fulci is my favorite director, so we pretty much know where I'm coming in on this one <laughs> uh yeah well, three, I my, three of my favorites, but um yeah, that's going to do it, guys. Jeremy, take us out.
2: Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 61. 22 shots of moods and horror podcast as always if you want to follow the man moods himself you could do so at youtube.com mood 616 or click the subscribe button down below if you like to see videos with people who have sand in their vaginas you can follow me on my channel youtube.com slash ruler 22 and if you want to follow the fucking asshole jp you could do so at youtube.com slash double shot j and yes he still hates peewee wee and so always, you could leave us a voicemail if you have any questions at 724 426 six 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 five once again at seven two four four two six 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 five if you have any questions you can email us 22 at shots of moods and horror at gmail.com it's 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast or twitter.com search bar at 22 shots podcast and as always you can join us on the facebook page for our abcs of death writing contest facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and you can always go to our website 22 shots of moods and horror.com over there you can read a whole bunch of shit including my argento piece go over there if you're interested in hearing more about my masculinity theory and that should be it everybody for this week's episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast we'll be back next week with episode number 62 hmm. 62 guys yeah, motherfucking David K, even think we're gonna make it this far. <laughs> name you even
1: think dropping we could get past thirty one.
2: I have to name drop at least once. Thirty <laughs> one? Ha! We made it twice as far as you thought, David K. Fuck you, your dick.
3: Peace.